You know this? You know this? Nope, not at all. Oh my god, I'm so bad at humming songs. Oh, maybe you haven't seen it, right? Have you ever heard of this place called Indiana Jones? Mm, I actually haven't seen Indiana Jones. You haven't literally seen any of the Indiana no. Jones movies? Kalim, Kal have you seen any movies? I've seen Star Wars and Lord of the Rings. Uh, like those six? Or I guess... No, no, I, I've seen like... I like some old horror films Oh, no, actually, no, stuff, there's but... only one Lord of the Rings, right? <laughs> no, there's, no there's, three. there's three. There's three. Oh, yeah, but it feels like one, right? Yeah, kind of. Just like a 10-hour one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like the Star Wars <laughs> ones are a lot more like, you know, there are proper ends to them, whereas the, the Lord of the Rings ones... Where, where does the first one actually end? Where does the first one end? Oh God! Is that when they like when they find the ring or something? I can't remember, and I should know. <laughs> the second seen... one ends when they cut. Now that's Luke when they cut off his hand. The second one ends when they. <laughs> there's two towers. Yeah, uh, they. It's like after Helm's Deep. Oh no! The first one ends when like when when Boromir like freaks out right and wants to wants to take the oh ring. yeah the Uruk and then they part ways and, and they run away yeah yeah and then they cross the river and everything it's like oh my god river no we can't get there okay okay cool no, we I did was it actually, you know why I was humming Indiana Jones nope oh dude I've been, you're I've on been a to Egypt like Egypt has been insane oh, yes. for me let's kick right in tell us okay, about this everybody hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number one hundred and sixty your favorite most deceptively named bi-weekly travel podcast I guess <laughs> today's show is brought to you by our patrons Retro Shara and Dylan Schumacher who just joined on I think the Eternal Witness here thank you so much if you want to support the running of the show directly you can support us on patreon.com slash everyday channel and I guess also get some coupons to go to Egypt I don't know dude I <laughs> I I have been unfair to egypt i've been to so many trade fairs and every time i was trying to sell kenya people were like yeah kenya is cool but uh, let's just do egypt again and i was like egypt yeah. is better is it i've never been to egypt but i hate it they take away my customers they just like yeah. <laughs> they're so much easier to get to they're so much cheaper they're like ah, but they don't have i guess they does egypt have, no egypt doesn't have elephants right I don't think they have elephants. I I've never seen that. You're you're Egypt. the travel expert. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I I would be surprised if Egypt had like no Egypt doesn't have native elephants. Uh, I'm pretty sure. They have camels. <laughs> but I'm not even pretty sure. I'm I'm, I'm like yeah, 99.99 yeah. sure. Yeah. You know there's like lions and in India, so no, you never know. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so last week, like on super super impromptu, like short notice, basically on Monday night, my boss gave gave our like the itinerary to my two colleagues and me. And then on Tuesday at two in the morning, we met at the airport. That's quick. Yeah, the, it was like you, you guys really got to go to Egypt before Christmas because I don't know, maybe it's just some religious thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not though. <laughs> and then uh, he and and one of our other colleagues, um, they they put together the itinerary, and then we went to. I, I want to say we looked at twenty something hotels, dive centers, and kite centers in like four days, basically. God. I think for, for like one and a half day, for almost like two days, we didn't just like sleep like at all. It's just like you you have become machines sent back in time to check out <laughs> places. <laughs> Why doesn't my boss send me to Egypt? It's, uh... Aren't you like into accounting right now? You, you could like learn some some like Egyptian accounting. That, that, that's yeah, that's though. it. That's that's the area I need to get into. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like without getting too deep into it, like the north was very touristy, like Laguna and those places. And then when the further south we got, like we got pretty close to the, the Sudanese border. And I felt like I was uh, I was vibing a lot more of the south because it, like all of a sudden like there's 
fewer people, fewer people, it becomes much more about like whether you are into diving, snorkeling, or, or like doing anything nature-wise, just because the the whole like mm-hmm. things around to do. Because like, it's just giving you an idea, we had a lot of problems getting a hotel on short notice in, in the north because there was Hooray. like an, an international film festival, which is like that would be so unheard of for the south. That's just like no, this, <laughs> this, this is desert, dudes. This is like not. Is the north and south just completely different? Uh, like I've only been there for four days, so I, I don't want to like make too big of claims. But but you surely studied your your enemy when you were trying to promote Kenya. No, no, I, I just <laughs> focused on myself and tried to make Kenya as great as. And honestly, that's actually Fair true. Enough. <laughs> but yeah, we we met so many amazing people. Like also like people who just like went to certain like like dive centers in the middle of nowhere, and they were like, oh, I came here like as a tourist. Then I liked it so much, and the second time I came, they offered me to like take over the dive center. Now I've been here for thirty years, and it's just like whoa. Like you, <laughs> okay. uh, I want to do what you're doing. This is just, oh, my dad is calling me. Okay, I'm back. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> okay, yeah, my, my dad just called me. He wanted to know about Egypt and like which places to go. <laughs> this is just so like, say, listen to the podcast. Imp- yeah, whoa, dude, you're a marketing genius. I was going to say like, yeah, I'm going to give you a talk later on Christmas and everything. You're <laughs> like, no, no, just check out everything. Like at that point, I probably have to explain what a podcast is. Mm, true. <laughs> okay, so by the way, we are a legacy <laughs> podcast, but I want to just tell this thing because that was one of the most amazing experiences in my life so on the on the very last day right we, we get to the very very south and on the itinerary we're already like ah, do we really have to go down to, to like this this hotel like in the very south like two and a, we thought it was going to be two and a half hours away from our last stop which was already like very far south and then the road was so bad we were sometimes like driving on this like the that's out next to the road because the road was just like <laughs> the, the road was not a road it was an obstacle basically yeah yeah like super bumpy i guess holes yeah so we it. arrived like yeah. super late but i had their whatsapp so i sent them a message and was like okay we're, we're coming like really late we, we'll just like meet you in the morning and they were like no 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 we're we're waiting like this this german lady who had been there for like 30 years and then this this austrian girl who, who was st- like started working at the dive center for like a year ago mm-hmm. and then they welcomed us and they, they were like oh my god you like you had such a stressful itinerary and you've been to so many places that's just like give you the, the coolest chillest experience we can imagine nice. the next day so what they organized for us the next day like okay we went like snorkeling along the reef on the ne- very next morning that was that was insane because they have like the reason you go down there is like the amazing reefs for like diving and snorkeling but you're also like you're not allowed to dive like 24 hours before a flight and yada yada i would love to do that I, i've gone snorkeling once years ago like in greece and I, it's my, one of my things i want to do most now so oh, maybe we yeah, Egypt's Red Sea, it's basically the paradise for snorkelers mm-hmm. and, and divers as well. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. So, you know what they did? And that's why I was, like, humming Indiana Jones. So, in the afternoon, they were like, okay, we, we really got to get going at, like, I think it was, like, 3.30 p.m., which they call 4.30 p.m. because the hotel decided that they're just, like, one hour further ahead, so the sunsets are better. <laughs> Never be late. Yeah, it's, it's, like, not a like not a political time zone or anything. It's literally just the hotel decided, you know what, we're going to do everything one hour later. Just so you know that the vibe is going to be better and the sun doesn't like set at like 5 p.m. or something. Like they mm-hmm. are so smart. Like they, they, if they try to go to like another country, they would first need to check whether the brain fits into, into, the, the, into the airplane. <laughs> so at, we, they didn't even properly tell us what we were about to do. They just like said, okay, put on some like rough clothing, like proper shoes and everything. We're like, okay, okay, we're going to go out into the desert. So then we go out into the desert and they have like, have you ever ridden a quad? No. Okay, they put you know what a quad is though, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like they a put motorbike out, with four wheels. Yeah, exactly, right? For the people who can't ride motorbikes. Like, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. how I felt as I was riding it. I was like, oh my god, this is this is motorbikes for like clumsy people, but I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. So they set it up 
we we rode out into the desert like literally straight into the desert and then after like i don't know like half an hour we came to like a valley which was literally because you, you think that's only desert but actually there's mountains as soon as you like go a little bit further inland that there's gonna be mountains and then there's this valley that opens up and we drive into the valley and around a couple of like corners and inside the valley there's there's this one tree and at that moment i completely realized oh my god this is where they were so like oh we gotta get going at this exact time because if you go at that exact time and you ride at a normal speed as you like cross into the valley there's a tree and like the sun is so low that it exactly hits the tree and it looks like something out of a movie. Like I literally wanted to get off the, the quad and just like start taking pictures, but we <laughs> like we couldn't. We were like racing along. Yeah. But this looks so looked so amazing. I literally want to go back and just take a picture of the tree. Go <laughs> go next year. You could be like, boss, look, I think we can go to more diving places. But the thing is they they actually invited me to come back and like on a free flight and take pictures and everything because wow. I, I took some pictures later on and they liked them so much that like yes, last night they sent me a message and they were like, you know, if you want to come back on a paid flight and paid stay, just to take pictures and you can <laughs> Do use it. them. Do it so yeah. fast. <laughs> and yeah, oh, dude, I, 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 maybe one day we're going to make a travel podcast. And that's not even hmm. the greatest thing. The greatest thing is then on the other side of the valley, there was an even wider open desert. I mean, yeah, Sahara, like, you know, goes all the way across. <laughs> but we didn't. We, we drove up to a cliff and, and we took some amazing pictures up up there on the cliff. Like, actually, I, I took pictures of, of, like, this is the craziest photo shoot I ever had. Like, two girls in hot pants and, like, wearing these these desert scarves and stuff. And, then, like, we took pictures on the on the quads and everything. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. They actually, they already pl- printed one of my pictures on a flyer for the trade fair. <laughs> like, nice. <laughs> and afterwards, okay, and that's the last part. And then we get to the magic. We, we rode back into another valley and the sun was already like coming down. Oh, and as we exited that first valley, right? As we exit the valley, we drive straight into the setting sun. It was just like, this is like, if you do this in a movie, people are like, yeah, but a, a place like this doesn't exist. But Come was on, there an explosion behind you? Uh, there might've actually been one now that I think about it. I'm, actually, not, I'm not impressed if there's not. You know, one of the girls I was traveling with, she actually had some kind of accident and we caught it on GoPro because we had one guy riding along with a GoPro filming everything and I, I haven't watched it yet and she didn't get hurt, but apparently she, there, there was like some serious stunt that she pulled. Oh shit. But, yeah, we will see. So anyway, so as the sun <laughs> is almost about to go down, we ride back into another valley and then like that one goes a little bit uphill and that's, you know, around the corners and everything. And then we arrive at, at basically what, what I want to call, um, you know, in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, when they oh no you don't <laughs> nope not at all no but by all i reckon like half our listeners are like what the fuck you idiot yeah. you know that's why we put in show notes if you want to skip this part <laughs> skip to 20 minutes or something no no no. i'm talking about me not having watched <laughs> <Indiana> Jones. <laughs> well yeah, like there's so much more for you to explore right you haven't watched breaking bad i would guess you haven't watched game of thrones uh you know? yeah i haven't watched game of thrones i started watching breaking bad and got really bored so yeah that that's how it usually goes and then like it turns to the best show you've ever experienced it's, it's a very common feeling Mm-hmm. I can, and I can, as somebody who absolutely loves it, I can very much understand why you would feel that way. So, yeah, yeah. Here we go. We, we run deep into the valley, and then we arrive. Like we are surrounded on all sides by mountains. We we get this like narrow path that we quad up, and then we arrive at, at what I want to call like a like a desert fortress. And for those who like the the elite few who have watched Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, it's <laughs> in the very end when they arrive at Peter. Right, that and and Chardonnay, uh, Chardon actually Chardon you call it in English, and Chardon like that that thing that's built into yep. the the wall. I'm, I'm gonna say yes, like I know. Yeah, you, you you must know about P- Petra, Peter, Petra. I guess they call I it. I don't know the name, but I know Jordan. If I yeah. show it to you, you will you will know immediately. Okay. Okay, so 
but, but we arrive at that place, but there's also like a small like village around. But village is it's too much. It's just like it's a it's a it's it's a fortress. And oh, I know on, picture. I'm just googling it. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you found it. Okay, so yeah. we go in there in the middle of the night already, almost like it's okay. It's, I mean, it's, it gets dark pretty early, and and then they tell us, okay, this is the place we built that place, but we haven't really told anybody about it properly. Like if you go to Google Maps to that location, it's just like you can see it on on the satellite view, but it doesn't like put anything there because it's literally just not a thing that has been properly recognized yet by by the world. So when I send it to a friend of mine, I literally, I, I sent her the GPS coordinates. <laughs> just like, check this out on Google Maps. Where are the rocks? And, yeah, and they're tr still trying to figure out what they're going to do with it. Um, they, they had like a techno rave up there and I, I can very much see that. And actually I had the first coffee of my life in, in that place. Wow, now I'm impressed. Yeah, and and like I, I have to be honest, like they asked me, "Hey, how did it taste?" And the only thing I could say was the truth, which is like oh, it's very ex bitter, so. exactly how I expected it to taste. Yeah, and then they didn't they didn't ask anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy. They have like two two bedrooms that's, that they're thinking about, like maybe renting them out or something. And but is, is, is that the Petra? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Amazing. also like in, the, in that small square in front of it, which, which is like basically an event location that has really only hosted one private event yet. So I was thinking like, if you want to promote that place, you put people on quads and you just give them the GPS location and they figure it out. <laughs> and then like you have some casualties along the way, but that's just like that's part of fine. the year. Yeah, let's have yeah. a legacy GP out there. <laughs> it's so funny like now that you say that uh Runkor, uh inigo he literally he literally said that let's have a desert gp dude i won't have a gp <laughs> petra in the desert dude camel is gonna be unstoppable protection from deserts oh my god oh, so shit, good yeah <laughs> i mean everyone has to play desert in their deck oh my i, I once did actually in in <laughs> some kind of block construct i think it was like time sparrow or something uh, it was in like pauper as well but yeah i i could keep going on for another hour or something but i guess we, we <laughs> there's that's just like so much other stuff to talk about how, how have you been are, are you are you, you you're a vintage champion right no 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 i can't really follow that like that sounds incredible i know it's i would be like I, i've seen the pictures that you post on twitter and stuff and it looks so picturesque it looks amazing i've now got pictures of petra in front of me and it's just like I would love to go there. It looks absolutely amazing. It's kind of like a, you know, people describe it as like a once in a lifetime holiday, but mm -hmm. it doesn't sound like it will be once in a lifetime for you at all. So. You know, that was just like one and a half days, literally the last one and a half days of, of my stay there. Crazy. And I immediately want to go back. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Well, people can check out your pictures on Twitter, I guess. Oh, Twitter, yeah. Instagram even more so. Instagram, fine. I didn't yeah, know. It's, it's, um, <laughs> my Instagram, I believe, is like, it's Julian023, the worst, least oh marketable. I, I gotta find another one. It's just, maybe, maybe we have to resort to Magma Lord. So <laughs> Magma Lord 1000 first. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, start out at 1000. Might, might already be taken. <laughs> we'll um, figure it out. But yeah, I've but been good. good. Um, it's been a while since we did a podcast, hasn't it? Like a few Almost weeks, a month, yeah, yeah. So, what have I done magic wise? So, I was, I was completely forgetting what I'd played until you said vintage, but. Um, we had a really nice back-to-back -back of pre-modern on one Sunday and then vintage the next Sunday. So in pre-modern, I played Goblins because I just cannot stop playing that deck. Every single time I'm like, I'm going to put something together, new, brewish, or like Goblin Welder and Tinker, two of my favorite cards ever. So I'm trying to build like a, a bit of a brew, but it's kind of a thing in pre-modern already with those two cards in. Mm -hmm. But the day before, every single time I'm just like, I start to look at the Goblin deck and I'm just like, yeah, 
the boys are, the boys are coming out to play tomorrow every time. <laughs> so it's just such an amazing fun deck. Oh, it's so fun. It's just like it plays the aggro. I had a game where I killed someone in turn three on the draw. But that happens in Legacy like all the time. Like we were, we yeah. were talking about like we were delaying the start of this cast because I told you, oh, dude, let me finish my match. And then it was like finished in like four minutes because I got <laughs> yeah. like killed on turn two and killed on turn three. It's just like, uh, who's the combo like now? By goblins. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, especially like the, the, the double goblins, uh, mind goblin opening. That's oh, just yeah. like, yeah, that gets you. But, but pre-modern goblins is a very different beast. It is it is like the the shell of why all old school goblin players fell in love with the deck to begin with. Like, you're like porting for three turns and then like, you know, playing a flurry of things. You're you're playing control in some matchups. You're playing like pile driver aggro and others. And it's just a beautiful deck to play. It reminds me a lot of like what Legacy Goblins used to be like 2005, 6-ish. It is though. Like this, the shell is. It's four lackey and then like pile drivers and war chiefs and matrons and ringleaders and siege gangs. Oh, and dude, then, this is literally Legacy Goblins almost 20 years ago. It is. And then it has wastelands and ports, obviously. And yeah. port is, is there anything that's like the best that wasn't played in Legacy back then? Um, or is there anything missing? Not really. No, right? you've got gem palms as well. It's yeah. like it's like old legacy goblins, but the vial is missing. There's okay, no okay. But, you can um, do without, I guess. Yeah, totally. So yeah, it's just it's just beautiful to play. It plays so nicely. You have so many options, so much agency in it. So um I got to the finals, which is pretty cool. I I won the last pre modern with goblins, so I got to the finals. I was like, ooh, can we do back to back? And then I won game one. And then I just punted game two and three so badly, both of them, like just completely me making really <laughs> silly mistakes. So um, I lost a really sick, like mono black aggro-ish, the rack deck. Like um, it was called Plague Spitters and Engineer Plagues did a lot of damage. Plague to Spitters? Yeah. That sounds really good against goblins. Yes, it, it was brought in from the sideboard and I knew Engineer Plague as well. But um, how I threw game three was I had two war chiefs in play and they had a Engineer Plague, oh, a Plague Spitter, sorry. And they missed their third land drop. And I had a pyrokinesis. And I was like, I should just kill this Plague Spitter before it triggers in their upkeep. Because the, the card does uh, <laughs> upkeep, deal one damage to all creatures and all players. And I was like, just kill it before they get the trigger in their upkeep. Because they've missed their third land drop. They kept seven. They obviously have an Engineer Plague in their hand. And then I went go. And then as I was saying go, I was like, Callum, this is stupid. Callum, this is stupid. Go. And they slam a third land and play Engineer Plague. And then a goblin didn't live the rest of the game. Uh yeah, it was one of those things. But the deck was really cool, and the guy hadn't won a tournament before. He had come with friends from, like, a three-hour drive away from the thing. And so I just thought it was really cool that he won. He was really ecstatic to win it. He played it pretty well as well. It's really cool. So I couldn't really ask for more. I had fun playing Goblins. Guy got his first win. The group mm -hmm. who traveled far got to go home with the winner. It was just awesome. So I, I've left it being really happy. So, would you say that you actually you got a lot of people at the at the shop or at the at the bar where you played that have, hadn't been there before? Yeah, so it was twenty people this time. I think the first one had like just over twenty. The next one had just under. This was the third one, about twenty. Um, yeah, they there's three, four, four guys that they like, drove down from somewhere in the Midlands. So that was cool. <laughs> Anything north of London is like the Midlands. <laughs> Anything south of London is the Midlands as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah, Dude, yeah. I, I know Brighton. You know, Brighton used to be like the hotspot for YouTube. Oh, yeah, that's like, like really far north. Yeah. Oh, Brighton. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Um, so that was cool. And then the following you Sunday. You also played Vintage, right? Yeah, we had Vintage on the following Sunday. That was it really was actually cool. the most requested topic when we asked on the on the Discord. Like, everybody wanted to know how Vintage went for you. Like, oh, really? Eternal Weekend, nah. Four Seasons, nah. How did, <laughs> how did Callum's Vintage event go? Vintage was great. I So 
I actually won the last vintage as well. I'm not trying to humble brag too much here. I won the last one with eight cast, and that was like not a very Wait, good deck. Vintage eight cast? Yeah. I just saw. Is that um, a thing? It sounds like PO for poor people or something. It's it's not very good, but it, it was very fun. I saw Urza in a deck. I'm like, yeah, that's that's my thing. So that was, I mean, my thing with these kind of like smaller Sunday events is I never try and play the best deck. Or I never try and meta game too much or I never, I just play something that I know I'll enjoy. And so we had 20 players for Vintage as well, which is pretty good. We've had above or 20 Vintage players every time, which is quite big for small Vintage so events. So how often do these events happen? They're quarterly now. They, uh, quarterly. Francis runs them. And at the beginning was like, do we do it every other month, every few longer, but quarterly now, which is quite nice. Mm -hmm. But um, and it's called like the the London Vintage Quarterly or something, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> London Vintage, and then yeah, I guess quarterly. But um, this time I played Breach because I missed that deck. Wait, didn't didn't you just tell me you weren't trying to like basically spike? Well, Breach is yeah. not top tier in Vintage. Not, not anymore. Like like Cheskai Breach is not top tier anymore. No, it's. I mean, actually, it isn't. Right, you're right. No. Like when I look at the results, I, you barely ever see it. That's no. true. I wanted to play it for a long time, and then part of my brain was like i think it's probably actually quite well positioned if you're expecting lots of oath because mm -hmm. oath, oath is having a bit of a breakout at the moment and oath is good but this is a deck with more permission and a faster combo just more combo pieces so i figured you know what it, it technically sounds well positioned but that wasn't the reason to play it was just like it seems really fun to me so i took a list that bosch and roll five over league with a while back probably testing for eternal weekend and um i Made the top four playoff. I think I went 4-1 in the Swiss. I lost to shops, doing shop stuff. That mm -hmm. that workshop's card's pretty good. And then I beat Oath twice and uh, and Squeevine, and I can't remember the last one. Squeevine is always so scary. Like, whenever yeah. I play against, like, Squeevine, these decks, I, I literally remember the first couple of times I, I played against those decks, I was like, come on, like, how, how good can that shit, like, basking root roller, this is vintage. And then, like, Squeevine is just, it's just vintage Delver. It's, like, tempo yeah. and aggressive, and it plays the just enough like you know free interaction to get them over the line it's only a matter of time until like vintage also sees rhinos oh, don't tell me that's already a deck <laughs> no not that i know of not okay know of. but um the screenvine player is also a guy called josh who's fire truck online he's he's very very strong player i love these random nicknames too <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a cool name fire trucks so it's and, much better than it's truly an 023 <laughs> yeah that's pretty lame but I think I'm running pretty hot against him. I managed to beat him in the quarters of the last one. And then I managed to beat him here. And every both times afterwards, we're talking about it. I'm like, we're both like, I think this matchup's pretty unfavored for me, whatever I'm playing. And we're both agreeing. And we're both, I, I, I get lucky. Vintage is vintage. Like I kind of played it out sometimes and stuff and got a bit lucky there. And then in this, I lost to, oh, I played Francis for like the win in, although we might have got in. He was playing Breach as well, but like a Lurus Breach version, so no Tinker for Citadel. And I beat him in the Swiss, and then I win game one of the court, the semifinals, I guess. And then he's, we're both just like, all right, well, I've got, I've got three in a row. Like, can we do the last one? And then obviously he, he gets the last two, which is, <laughs> but they were incredible games. Oh my God. Uh, all five of these games played actually was like, felt super tight, tons of back and forth, tons of interaction. So that's vintage, right? Yeah. But very much so. Honestly, it was really cool because we both have like, you know, the recalls and the time walks and we both have Urza Saga. So there's a sub game of like, you could win with damage, but our combo just wins on the spot. Uh, but you can't also let the the dig through times and the ancestral recalls resolve and stuff. So 
those were some of the most fun games I think I've played in a very long time, just in any format. They those were some really of the cool. most challenging ones. That reminds me yeah. a lot of like old talk mirrors where it was like, oh, I want to count Artifact of Fiction, but like yeah, yeah. The, the actual master of the matchup says you do not count Artifact of Fiction, which was like, I think, Carlos yeah. Romero and everything. It's just like, oh my God, this is, this is like making these tough decisions. That's, you want to you wanna be in a game that has tons of them. Like yes. people always talk about decisions and like there are so many decisions that are just like straight up boring. I think somebody once wrote an article, I think it was called like the illusion of choice, which is like, <laughs> yeah, technically you have choice, but like if you have like half a brain, like you only yeah. have 10% of the choices you really think you have. But when you get into a game where you have like a ton of these like really deep, hard choices, that, that that's like really good magic then. Yeah, for sure. The biggest thing in that kind of this pseudo mirror is at the beginning I made a comment to Francis like, Oh, you have Lurus, you must be favoured because you can you can just play more reactive. But I managed to combo the first two and I'd Francis is insanely good, so I think I was concentrating way more in these these games than any other games. <laughs> and I was just like, gotta give him the respect he deserves. And <laughs> I think I managed that the first two games I did combo both times, one with Vault Key, one with the actual freeze thing. You you don't strike me as a Vault Key player. Uh, I like, like you, you don't strike me as a guy who goes like no, oh, game is over. Come on, kid. Let's go to the next one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just too good in the deck not to play if you're playing sagas mm, and stuff. Sure. But and Tinker. But um, and then we had these games, and then Francis played just just as tight in the the semifinal games. So it's just really cool. Anyway, I'm sure Francis listened to this. So shout out. Those are great. So you you're saying the next one's gonna happen at? So it'll probably be March ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I reckon. Uh, if you're not sure, follow Francis on. Twitter. We will put his uh, what, what's Twitter his, handle. It's proper. I'm going to check. Francis F G C or something. F G C. It is at Francis Cowper. Cowper oh, spelled C O W P E R. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Did, did he actually take it down? Uh, no. So no. He then lost two shops in the finals. The shops player that oh, lost to in the, the same shops player who got you. Yeah. So shout out to G K. He's a local London player. Like plays in our locals every single week for Legacy as well. Really great guy. So. GK was just like, you know what? He usually plays like blue decks in Legacy. And then he was like, you know what? I just felt like shopping people. So fair <laughs> sure. enough. Okay. Uh, the other top four player was Sahar. We know Sahar very well. We love her dearly. She was playing Oath. So congrats He's got your own podcast, right? I think it's called the Legacy Gambit, I believe. It's like a YouTube channel. I hope I'm not wrong. Oh, it's a YouTube channel. Yeah. But they but do they... podcast-esque kind of videos and stuff. Sometimes. Oh, okay. 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 Also I, I only heard about the name and I've seen some of the stuff. I yes. thought it was a podcast. It it's might be one. The Legacy Gambit. So check it out on YouTube for yeah. sure. With, I was uh, just, by the way, I was just watching, <laughs> it's so funny, I was watching James Hughes' um, uh, first live stream ever. Really? He was doing like an FAQ, like he had a couple of uh, um, questions that were submitted. And like he was doing it really well for like half an hour. And then like he goes and looks into camera and is like, dude, this is so exhausting. Like, how, how do you guys do it? Like, I, I come off of like a, like doing six hours of, <laughs> of streaming for Eternal Weekend. We're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> easy, easy. It can be exhausting at times, sure. But yeah, that's my recent magic, I think. <laughs> fun stuff, fun stuff. Yeah. I've I've been dying to like get back into the trenches of legacy though. Um, oh, you you there are so many opportunities, right? Yeah. We, we I think we last episode we talked a lot about the Eternal Weekend in Europe and the Eternal Weekend in Japan, about the results and what's go- what was going on there. So today we want to talk about the Eternal Weekend in North America, but also like we got the data for all three Eternal Weekends combined and and we'll, we'll shoot it in right before because there was also a 300 player tournament taking place in Italy that like 
at this point like that we are so oversaturated with legacy tournaments and content for the end of the year that this is just like a almost a footnote like another four seasons happening and matt brown actually took it down right? hell yes he did go matt go matt this is especially important because he got a elm qualification off this and oh did he steal the italian one yes exactly because last oh, time is he gonna wear like an italian shirt no fuck no he's gonna be like england england <laughs> england because last time I ran an ELM qualifier in London, it was stolen by Italians coming over. So we've oh, stolen that was it back. Sonne, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Matt, love you. Stole it back from the Italians from the biggest qualifier they have as well. So let's go. You know, you know, and he played Green Post, Drive Post. Yeah, Remember yeah. when, like, right before Italian weekends, we were talking about this, like, it's one of the, the rogue picks, one of the dark horses. Yeah. It could actually go all the way. And here it is, taking down a 300 player event. Uh, it's uh. really good it's really really good i find it one of the hardest decks like i've played in the format ever though uh, like every time i look at it because i i do like it a lot but it's just you sequence like your turn two land wrong and you lose on turn six because of it it's it's super yeah. hard it's already a thing in legacy and i think even more so in, in green post mm-hmm. and I, i've watched some players like who are really good with the deck play it and also yeah. some players who were just like really good magic players but not necessarily good with the deck mm-hmm. and the difference is just like night and day even though like somebody might be really good but like this deck is, is presenting a lot of puzzles and challenges that you might not be as familiar with otherwise for sure and i that, think this that, is one of the decks the of it. in the format that rewards knowing your macro plan in every matchup maybe more than anything else I like you, how macro plan sounds so much more advanced than strategy. <laughs> or your strategy in every matchup, you can say that. But macro plan sounds Macro cool. plan, I like that. Yeah, but like you need to... This is true for every deck. Like I'm not trying to say this is the only one. But especially with Cloud Post, you need to know how you win the game in this matchup. Because you have so many tutors in this deck. You need to be like, okay, my win con against X deck is, you know, repeating Glacial Chasm, copying it with, uh, with um, what's it called, Stage bring it back maybe or but you can't do that against a deck like dragon stompy because they might blood moon you one turn you need to know what angles you can actually build towards because the decks you know tutors and you know land drops build towards a certain end game but you need to know that end game like really ahead of time this is why i say making your land drops in the right order can be really punishing because you know copying the wrong thing or just not getting the six mana you need for a titan on turn four or something or the or the green sun I don't know. I, I always find like this one, you need to know your win con. Like against Painter, they can be like, okay, well, I can't be comboed. So I need to just respect their combo a little bit enough. But I also just need to, you know, ramp up and play some big idiots and stuff. You know, the best part with Painters, like when you can sense that they drew the run of like Ulamok or Emrakul or whatever they have. <laughs> you know, and you're like, ah, I, I can almost feel it. And, the, and they try to sit there and like play it cool. And you're like, you know what? Might as well. And then they concede. Yeah, yeah. Make them have it. Make them have it. Yeah, uh, by the way, also like really cool tech in here. There's a one of echoing deeps. Yes, this is a new card, right? What does it do? Yeah, it's a, it's a land. Uh, it taps for a colorless mana, but you may also have it come into play as a copy of any land in any graveyard, except it's still a cave in addition to its other types. I guess the cave part doesn't really matter. But yeah, it's it, it's a weird way of like having another Vesuva, I guess. Except it's, you copy something in a graveyard. This gives the deck such a so much more play into some matchups. It's actually, I'm not a uh, post expert at all, so maybe they'll be like, actually, it was quite bad. But the fact that you could like against the graveyard deck, for example, go turn one reclaimer, turn two bog you, turn three sack the bog, get echoing depths, bog you a second time. I find like the second bog can be massive. Or if you need to sack a glacial chasm after it's gone off, and then you go and get echoing deeps, and it's a new mm-hmm. one. 
I feel like this just gives you so many new angles just for one drop. It's actually quite amazing. And otherwise, it still just, you know, comes to play and taps for yeah, I think uh, on some level, like a lot of matchups, they revolve around like forcing that post player to, you know, use one of their key cards, whether it's yeah. like Bog or like Tabernacle, and, and then like you deal with it. And then this one comes around. It's just like, you know what? I get a second one. It's just like, yeah. Uh, blah, like, blah, blah. that's exactly a thing in the Painter versus post matchup. Forcing out the Bog is a huge part of that matchup. But here, you know, having a second copy of it is terrifying. I don't know how to play it. Then there's probably like some hilarious lines where you actually copy something out of the opponent's graveyard and then you go crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how often that actually comes up, but you know, I want to see it. Maybe I'm a saga. Maybe a saga. Go get wasteland something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is really cool for for one card. I think it brings a ton. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Uh, we also yeah. see a Morlock in the sideboard, which is cool. Yeah, that's the one that actually makes it so that you can't really get properly. Blood Moon, right? That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. That's actually the first card you, you talked about when you told me that the matchup was not good for Painter because I thought it was like pretty good for Painter. Mm-hmm. And then like you you went really deep and explained the matchup to me. And after I came out of it, I was like, dude, I never want to play Painter again. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is, is um, they kind of smartened up and have dismembers in the sideboard. That's become quite stock. Uh, it Frustratingly, I think it's a lot more for Troll of Khazad Doom because Troll is a 6-5, but it's like huge uh, EV plus splash damage for Magus as well. It just makes so much. They also have so much life gain, right? So yeah, yeah, yes, it feels pretty good. So that's cool. cool. So yeah, um, there's a lot more to to see in that event, uh, but I guess we, we don't really have time to go too deep into it. Uh, we could run uh, through the some... top eight, just say what's there though. Sure, sure. I'll yeah. take the next one. So we got in yeah. second place. We got Vincenzo Cusenta uh, on Grixis Dalva. Uh, third, fourth place, we got Andrea Riva on five color Euro control, as you would expect out of Italy. <laughs> and fourth place of shared third. Fourth place, Alessandro Boscaini on Cradle Control. Should I point out this this list is quite different to usual? Yeah, it is. It's it pretty is. cool. This is why I wanted to just uh, go through it, because this is like what you expect. It has the Fiend Artisans and stuff, but it has four Grief, three Troll of Casa Doom, four Reanimates, and a main deck Progenitus is quite unusual. Three Grist. Yeah. This is just like at this point, I, I keep calling this like New new Age Nickfit or something, because like, come on. This like, is the you, rock. You, you t- yeah, the ro- oh yeah, that's a good one. That's the rock. This is like Maverick meets the Rock. Like if you mm-hmm. took this and you told me that this originated out of elves, you're like, yeah, like this is, yeah, this is, it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's definitely definitely far 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 from elves. There is not a single elf in it. So there we go. <laughs> it makes me wonder whether there's like any other green approach to like abusing Gaia's Cradle, or it doesn't even need to be green, right? Maybe like, yeah, okay, I'm reading too much into it. Like some Goblin deck. The problem with Goblins <laughs> is it kills you before Cradle becomes relevant. Yeah, yeah. You could try Affinity decks or something, but. Yeah. But I think I think what Newton's done with the archetype was really cool, like recognizing how insane Guy's Cradle is, and then just you know it took a long time to find like you know get to a different kind of shell where it's really really abused and stuff. But I like this. I, it's not the first time I've seen it. I've seen Reanimating Grief kind of thrust in the shell multiple times, and I know Newton is not a fan, and other people have said oh, it's good here, good bad here, blah blah. But hey, top four. It's only a bit of time until like they cut Natural Orders. It's down to two in this one. I don't think Natural Order can go. Yeah, I also don't think it can yeah, go, because yeah. like, you need that unfair I win button. Yeah. There's actually really no creature hoof in this either. <laughs> I'm loving <Yeah>. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just Progenitus or Atraxa. Atraxa, yeah. I have yeah. to feel like Cray Tooth is better than Progenitus, but hey, they took forward and I didn't. Mm-hmm. You didn't even try, right? I didn't even try. <laughs> playing, playing your weird winter events. Yeah, By the way, exactly. um, we should mention Kai is not here because Kai is actually, he's playing magic up in the mountains and I think he's also skiing, right? Yes. Well, actually, we said we didn't want him and then he went skiing. 
I, I totally realized like everybody must be like, where's Kai? Why, yeah, why am I not talking? Okay, so actually we should mention this like 40 minutes into the podcast. Um, December and beginning of January are a little rough because Kai has to go like back to, to Japan and he also has to go to France and he has to go to the mountains. And that made it a little tight to find a proper place to, and time to record, but we made it work today. After you, you had to like raid IKEA yesterday, right? Yeah, sorry, I, I, I was like, we can go to IKEA in an hour. And you told me, <laughs> <laughs> actually, you know what's even more hilarious? That actually, I thought, yeah, that sounds reasonable. Like, go to IKEA in London, go shopping, come back, all within an hour. I was like, yeah, sure, I'm gonna be here waiting for you. It's like. Julian, like what I think it was like two and a half hours, and you were still rushing, uh, right? <laughs> it was like it was like two. We were pretty quick in and out of there, but it was just traffic there and back. And did, yeah, did you just like London ride things. your car or did you like own a Jeep? Yeah, or something? car, car. Okay, okay. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing in London. So yeah, you don't drive very much, but I don't know. We were pretty fast in there, but it's just taking so much time. Yeah. But you, you got your like Billy or whatever you want. I needed some shelves, I needed a light, I needed some desk accessories and, and some menu. shelves. <laughs> yes, cool. very IKEA things. Cool. But yeah, that's that's the top four. Uh, is yep. there anything else you want to highlight there? No, the rest the rest we've got Four Color Uro, Boris Stumpy, Dragon Stumpy, and Rug Delver. Pretty normal things. Rodrigo top aiding as usual. That's pretty cool with initiative. Yeah, I think like his, his accountant must be like, you know what, is, is this like a proper job? Like, <laughs> you like taxes on this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool, I guess it yeah. works the same way it works in Germany. Like this is this is so interesting to me because I, I once asked my my um professor for like well actually it was something else related to that, but I asked him like do we like need to pay taxes on selling magic cards online? He was like, In Germany you only pay like taxes for that kind of stuff, like if you do it for a living, but if you just like it's basically a garage sale and it just happens to make money for you, then you don't pay taxes on that. Whereas I think like in the US, for example, you basically you just like report your income and then you pay taxes on it. Whereas okay. here, it's very much about where, where the money comes from. And I think at some point, like, if you earn this much money on the regular as a Magic player, it might almost qualify as, like, being your job. I so, hope not. <laughs> yeah, cool. of course not. Dragon Stompy, by the way. Is, is there any kind of hope of there, be, of there being some hilarious card in there? Uh, I don't think there is. I, I know really. that they'll be playing the Bombardiers, though, right? Four copies of Trinisphere. Okay, that, that's pretty oh, really? common these days, right? Yeah. Like, you often see two at the most in the main. Mm. Yeah, that's true. I I really like the inclusion of two unlicensed hearse. I know it's pretty stock, but I always see people cutting it. And XJ just screams at the wall, says, "This is how you beat Delver and Tempo decks. Do not cut mm. this card." And it's just really good. So I like that. You know, the card playing. is insanely annoying to play against. When, like, yes, you're it is. Any kind, like you don't even need to be a graveyard deck. It's just like straight up, just good. Yeah. Accidentally use of the graveyard. Yeah, uh, like I mean, like against. Like initiative or something it'd be pretty slow and dead and things but like you, it can still be a creature and whatever mm -hmm. yeah obviously we see four broadside bombardiers because that card is crazy and yeah. I, I saw somebody like on, on twitter predict the card to actually go to like 50 ticks or something reasonably soon because apparently they cut it from treasure chests when oh, really? it was only in there for a very short amount of time and like i think it was tim akpinar and okay. he talked about like he doesn't know whether they will like that was a mistake and they will re-add it soon so don't take my word for it but mm -hmm. as of now they removed it from treasure chests and it's sitting at like 25 ticks or something so he was like dude this might be like a thing to go for if you want I, money. I just wouldn't go for those angles because uh daybreak have shown to be pretty proactive in trying to help these things out so the thing is like i would believe it if, if it was like a two ticks or something and then they like actually but if it wasn't two ticks then a lot of people would already have them i don't know like yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of weird <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, um, so this is this is Four Seasons, uh, one of the coolest, best events that you can play in Europe. Definitely check it out if you're ever in the area of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, the big thing, the biggest legacy tournament ever since GP Bologna 2019 just yeah. went down the other week in uh, beautiful Pittsburgh. Fuck, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Dude, <laughs> I did commentary on this. I literally, I put like post-it notes all around my screen with like Pittsburgh facts. Did you know that the Big Mac wasn't meant in Pittsburgh? Wow. Did you know that the first game of bingo was played in Pittsburgh? But you didn't even know it was in uh, Pennsylvania. I, I did know that. I wanted to say <laughs> Pittsburgh, Ohio, but because it sounded right, but it actually mm-hmm. it doesn't. Did you know that Pittsburgh claims to be the city with the most bridges? But like it, it, it doesn't even have like... I did a, know that, actually, yeah. Yeah, they, they say that, but I, I like really. Hamburg, Germany actually has the most bridges in the world, and they have four times as many no, bridges Hamburg's as Pittsburgh. Fake. Hamburg doesn't. Oh, Hamburg is fake. Okay, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know. It says more bridges. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to Hamburg? Yeah. It's where the Beatles played the first concert. Like, I'm a walking, like, Lexi. I, I was at the gig, actually. Oh, you were there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I saw you. Yeah, I was pretty sure. No, you weren't there, though. You, you were the guy playing <laughs> the drums or something, right? Uh, that's why they said Ringo Starr is not the best drummer in, in, in the Beatles. Oh, that's why I'm that's why I'm that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So yeah, Pittsburgh, Ohio, one of the best places to play Legacy the other week. And dude, Legacy in North America has a new king. And his this is like the coolest guy I've ever seen. Like I, um we're talking of course about TK Lord Thunder Knight. <laughs> Strawn. His last name is spelled S T R A. C-H-A-N, and uh, production told me he pronounces his last name Strawn, so TK ah, Strawn, cool. Lord Thunder Knight. We, we had him on earlier. Like He was l- literally wearing a crown, like, take that kind of confidence. Like, you take it into a tournament, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to wear the crown before the event. I'm going to become the king <laughs> of this format, and you I know love it. it. Love it, love it, love it. Dude, check out his Twitter, by the way. He's, he's yeah. such a wholesome guy. I've never met him. I've never talked to him. But like we when, when I was talking to other people, they were like, dude, like TK is the man. Like He's so cool. And... It makes so much sense to me because yeah. he said he's a he's actually a Maverick player, mm-hmm. and he Apparently, actually was yeah, like, you know like what, diehard Maverick player, and then was like, you know what, fine, I'll play these blue cards. <laughs> I show you how to, I, you know, you blue players, you have like no idea. It's so I, easy to play blue. I'll show you exactly. And then he t- he just like takes. Uh, by the way, we should mention that he he played. Um, it was like a Triumph of Saint Catherine. Was it four color or was it even just like three? Color? Yeah, it was four color, right? Four color, just no red. Or can I know red, which is like yeah. so uncommon these days, right? Yeah. I would just say this is a straight up mid-range deck. So it's like... I think he calls it a mid-range deck. Yeah, yeah. I was actually like, yesterday, as I was waiting for you, I was listening to... He, he was on um, Eternal Dirtles. Mm-hmm. So definitely check out Eternal Dirtles. I nice. listened to like the for- first 40 minutes of it. And he even talks about, right, how this is straight up a mid-range deck. And cool. he won so many... Like, he, he they talked about... That's stealing content. Like, it's just like more like spreading the word. Um, he talked about how by far the most games are actually won by Triumph and then sometimes like random Merktide and the the angle of grinding them out is up the Beanstalk which is like I guess the draw of a lot of like blue I am a control player mages mm-hmm. that, that's just like not very big it, it, it was like 10-15% of games that actually came down to this he, he said like this is straight up at like a mid-range deck just and triumph you play right a mid-range deck and then you have like some leg up in, in the end game in the late game if, if, if it comes to that and that was just like so refreshing to hear because I think a lot of people there are often like, no, no, I just like sit back, I do nothing. And yeah, he he played it like a mid-range deck and he won it like a mid-range deck. The mid-range mm-hmm. master taking on another mid-range deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Triumph, I got to confess, I kind of, I was hyped about it at the beginning and it looked good. 
and then I played with it in completely different shells and was like, oh, I found it pre- pretty awkward. And then because it's not online, everyone's just like kind of died off on it a bit. And then I just thought it's kind of crappy. Like it didn't really do anything in paper otherwise. But this shows the frustrations with not having stuff on Magic Online because it is good. Like clearly he's, he's said it's been amazing for him to win the tournament and it's just won the biggest you know, tournament in years. And so I've been completely wrong about it apparently. And but now everyone's here twiddling their thumbs, being like, "Why can't we just play this goddamn card?" You know, TK actually he put up a petition, petition on it, I believe yeah. like change.org about yeah. like, "Hey, Wizards and and Daybreak and and Forty K and everything, Games Workshop, get this card on Magic Online yeah. like right now." Let's put that in the show notes because I've shared it and signed it as well. It's ah okay, I gotta yeah, do yeah. that still. Okay, yeah. let's put it in the show notes. But everybody who's it- listening, if you wanna see some more miracling, like if you like, is this even a miracle? Yep. Uh, it actually, it doesn't count as oh yeah, it has miracle texts. Awesome. Mm-hmm. If you want to see a miracle and this card comes on Magic Online, <laughs> look at the show notes. Yeah, you know, they should put some like flavor text of, of TK up there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to give us a run through of the rest of the list, though? Ooh, yeah. Well, um, Kai and I did commentary for the first, was it like six rounds? I don't even remember. And then we did like more commentary on the second. Like they split it in two days. It was so many players. Yeah. And before we go, like, in a moment, we'll go into the win rate of the combined three Eternal Weekends. But just talking about Eternal Weekend North America right now, we got first place, TK Strawn playing four-color mid-range. Second place, I put... Oh, this is very bad because it only gives me the nickname of players. MTG Top 8, give me the proper names of players. It's Jay, Jay Wachkowski, who won last year's Eternal Weekend in North America. So I gotta say, like, so he's playing Grixis Delver now and Blue Red Delver last time. I just don't want Delver to win. That's where I am with the format these days. I'm just like, boo, Delver, boo. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit bored of it. But like almost getting back to back, I couldn't choose who I wanted to win the finals. Uh, it was so close because the like going back to back is just insane. Like, And getting to the final is obviously honestly insane as well. So I've been surprised by how few people have like I think realized this, but Jay getting to the winning last year in the finals now is crazy impressive. That is so 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 good. So shout out to Jay. I'm, I'm massively impressed. Yeah, and I think he even like didn't he talk about in, in his top eight profile or something that he got like imposter syndrome and something like, dude, if you got imposter <laughs> yeah, syndrome, yeah. like what, what should the rest of us say? I mean, he was playing his goddamn ponder. He won last year. Like, That's so cool, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure I saw like somebody show the the Dragon Rage channeler the TK one and apparently like I don't know if he gifted it to a cube or something but he, he basically gave it to a friend for his cube I think he traded it for a bunch of jewels like, oh, he so traded it? Okay, he traded just... it so he can play this deck he won in paper oh he didn't own it yet I believe so yeah I guess that's the best way to win your deck that's what, that's what I took from it he, <laughs> sa- he said I can play this deck without borrowing now so oh that makes cool. sense yeah I guess so, you can easily buy the deck now. I love it I love that it's such a such a brilliant outcome Dude, you might actually need me need to help me with the names because my internet is breaking down right now. Okay. And actually, the other ones don't have. Oh, they have their proper names. Okay, okay. We, we can keep going. Cool. Okay, so yeah, we we got Jay in second place playing uh, uh, Grixis Diver. <laughs> Not a big surprise considering that he basically played like Blue Red Diver last year, and that, that one that had a card band. And now we're sitting on this one. Uh, <laughs> is there anything interesting? Not two two stifles. Oh yeah, two stifles. And I think he, he he didn't he mention on Twitter that like he got people left and right with those. Yeah, two he said he said it was a really good for him. So there's also yeah he he I mean stifle when it's unexpected can get people. 
when it's expected everyone plays around it but it's so annoying like when you play against it with painter and like you're you're losing the <laughs> tempo game and you know you you gotta win with the the combo and but you gotta combo twice and it's just like it takes so many resources and sometimes yeah. you need, like ancient tomb activations you, you hate stifle so i can very much <laughs> like, see how that would be a good card yeah i i me I hate stifle i love it it's a great card I love I love playing with Stifle. Yeah, I hate yeah. playing against Stifle. I love his it's one of the most beautiful cards in Legacy. Absolutely. Yeah. I love the S two. Two feels like the perfect number because it's not a great card. It's definitely not aged amazing. But like one of them in the right spot at the right time can just swing games, especially if it's not on people's radar. So you don't want to be like, you know, sitting with three of them in your hand ever or anything. So two is a really nice number. Cool. Yeah. So uh, one of the semi-finalists, we got Kesslin playing Cradle Control, and I gotta say, at this point, I'm actually out of the loop. Like I know this is a thing, but why are we playing Invigorate? I believe it's just to counter like lightning bolts and stuff. Oh, that's monsters. it. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess that that's a lot clearer. I thought it was like some super next level stuff where you, like you invigorate your fiend artisan or something, and I don't know if that does something. <laughs> No. Oh, there's nothing in there, right? Unless I'm being just stupid here, uh, and we'll look really stupid afterwards. I believe it's to like counter removal spells, like damage based removal spells, or, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. bow masters or whatever. Like it's a free spell, and you don't really care if your opponent gains three life. So it's like a free counter. It's like a mutagenic growth, but actually saves one ones against bolt. Okay, I, I was like, maybe if you have like a big fiend artisan and they don't block, and then you kill them. But actually, it's just like plus one damage plus if, one, you, if you yeah. play it for free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Um, <laughs> or you can like, because the deck uses combat a lot, I guess you can you know, block and invigorate and stuff. It's If mm-hmm. it's not on people's radar, it's probably quite effective. I can see it really. It also makes it so people. that the opponent might be like hesitant to just like use their removal spell because they know at any point you could have invigorate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that, that's like pretty annoying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's kind of a little bit similar to Stifle where if it's not on people's radar, they'll like not even walk into it. It's the wrong phrase, but it's like it'll do what you want it to do. Okay, so in the the other semi-finalist we got here, dude, it says Mr. Fringe 89 on, on MTG Goldfish as well. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> I even saw your name. I saw your name as we were doing commentary on you, and I think I, I should really find out your name. How how does it like not say your proper name anyway? You deserve credit, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you might go into the deck as I try to find that semi-finalist's name. Or I should. I'm trying to find it. Sorry. Oh, okay. Then I'll talk about the deck. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, please, by all means, talk about the deck because Painter, baby. Yeah, Painter, we, we talk about runerates, but Painter has been insane this weekend. Like, yes. we we were looking at, at, at the, the last round of Swiss, and the last round of Swiss had, like, four Painters still in contention for top eight. Two made it, two lost their win and ins. One of them, like, could have like gone in on tiebreakers had they Dude, won like, imagine if four painter made top eight <laughs> Dude, that would be insane like people would be calling for like uh, what would you even ban like you, you obviously you don't ban painter <laughs> you can't ban anything it's it's so easy it, to fight yeah that's just like nothing <laughs> well, that's crazy <laughs> but yeah um mr fringe whom Callum is still trying to find out the name uh, something like less says uh yeah um I've never used MCG Melee in my life, and I'm. Oh, you—you to... you really shouldn't look up on a Melee. You, you really because that's where the, the stupid name is coming from. Oh, I see. Fine. Well, okay. And by stupid, I just mean we want your real name, but it just keeps giving us Mr. Fringe eighty nine, and I think he's even on on the painter discards. So I want to give him, I want to shout him out even more, but yeah. it just like doesn't work. Okay, so this is a straight up painter deck. I wanna say it's splashing wide as most of the decks in the tournament have done. I think thirty people have played Boros Painter, and then like seven or something have played. 
other variants. Uh, we we'll talk about those in a moment. Another card that you can't get on Magic Online, Canoptech, Scarab Swarm. That's the 4-mana thingy that removes the opponent's graveyard, and you get a 1-1 flying insect for each, I think, artifact or, or land that you removed. Mm -hmm. So that's another cooler one that we might get in, in Magic Online at some point. Please. Other than that, it's pretty straightforward, right? I, th I think it continues that trend that we've already seen in the past of cutting back on blasts. Uh, yep, I think so you also did that in some of your your uh, new iterations of Painter. Yep. This one is only playing four copies of blasts. I think by now this gold standard-ish used to be five. Now we're down to four. I guess oh, we're yeah. playing... We've seen the full swing. Like the when Expressive Iteration was legal, it was seven or eight. Now we've got the swing down and down and down. I think this is the worst... I think we said on the last podcast, actually, there's probably the worst blasts or pirate blasts have been in maybe ever. Maybe ever. Literally yeah. straight up ever. Yeah. Apart from, like, I don't know, there could have been... I'm trying to think of something else, but no. Yeah, I think it probably is ever. And I believe Painter's... I believed Painter's strength was often hinged on how good blasts are in the format. At least the mono-red versions. I think I even wrote this in the primer that I started. I was like, Painter is good when blue is good, and that's a pretty simple way of looking at it. But... The deck is holding up like i mean people play more like robert lightwalker is still playing six or seven blasts and he's doing as amazing as ever because he's just a wizard but i i like going to four i'm even like saying play two or three these days because it's just yeah you, know, you need to have the painter in play and you don't care as much it just gets pitched to fury so much in my opinion so i like these going down to four yeah, yeah I, I can see that um what i've even been doing is I sometimes cut painter like especially against tempo decks. I mm -hmm. actually often cut like one or two painters because I feel like the mid range game is so strong. Yeah, in the grindstone as well, right? Especially if they don't play like um, prismatic ending or something like mm -hmm. that. You, you you can do that. Yeah. So you play even more of a mid range game while they still need to respect the combo. And mm -hmm. I guess we already talked a lot about how that makes a big difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like that's my jam for sure. Yeah. But um. So yeah, I think he's 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 in the painter Discord and he said that the. The white splash was pretty good for him as well. Fourth Alingus, you know, and swords, pretty much. Yeah, swords especially, right? Yeah, uh, like a, a lot of people who like I'm, I'm very much. I feel like the prophet of, of fourth Alingus, even though like I didn't come up with it, but mm -hmm. I, as soon as I liked it, like I was very vocal about Everybody that. Everybody do it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that's that's more than here to stay. That kind of just looks so good. Yeah, I agree. At this point, what I noticed is people were talking about maybe adding even more of a white splash and playing a single basic planes. That's that's why I'm playing basic planes and touch the spirit realm at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen. I think um, um, uh, Peter Plank. Um, play, by the way, is somebody like building their IKEA shelf in the background? Yeah, if you want to pause here for a bit, I don't mind. It's, there's someone in a flat next to us. Oh, it's next to you? Yeah, it's fucking like knock on the wall. Something. But yeah, I think it's someone in the flat next to me. <laughs> that's, that's annoying. Okay. Well, somebody is, is, is that hammer? Hammer time? Somebody's playing hammer time over <laughs> yeah, there. You, yeah. You're painting here. They're playing hammer. You, you're like a, a whole apartment block of of artists and artisans. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody's like sacrificing creatures to get even bigger creatures. That's how you do it. Somebody's <laughs> like working miracles. This, mm -hmm. is, this is the center of the legacy universe. But yeah, uh, so is painters, especially right now. A deck that almost put four copies in the top eight uh, ended up putting two copies in the top eight. The only deck with two copies in the top eight. And we, we talked so much about Painter. I'm working on a primer right now. I can't really tell you when it's going to be finished, but um, I'm already pretty far into it. So that, that, that one's going to be out at some time in the future. Hell yeah. Uh, why don't we talk about the other copy of Painter here? Like we talked about the two semi-finalists right now. Then out of all the quarter-finalists, we had the OG Painter player. Like I, I, I guess Robert is to, to me is like the OG Painter player, but Check Kitchen 
is very much up there, right? Especially for this version of Painter, Strawberry Shortcake. Oh, good, yeah. Yeah, this is... Uh, uh, can, I, can I, you want to introduce, like, what Strawberry Shortcake is? I will do, but i also say um, Jack is the reason I got into Painter. What when is I, he? Yeah, yeah. So I just... I love the guy to bits, and he's always been so chill, and he's just the coolest customer in the world. But watching him play, like, Legacy Sundays on SCGs, that's how I got into the deck. Because I was always playing blue years ago i was always like here and there but something about painter was just like man how can this like almost mono red deck like play this amazing control game and like there's so many angles and as we know the deck has now and it's still carried on but seeing him mostly on coverage and scg's got me into the deck and piqued his interest so seeing him top eight is just absolutely awesome i, I was so ecstatic watching along he was mm -hmm. like you know posting his his updates in the discord i was like yes 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 go jack so Strawberry Shortcake is because Shortcake is made of red and white. So it has I a don't white... even know what Shortcake is, by the way. Shortcake is it's cake, kind of, right? It's like a strawberry cake. Yeah. And um, so it's always historically played some Enlightened Tutors. So Enlightened Tutor, like, it doesn't really, like, mesh with the more mid-range style of the list that we just talked about and stuff, for example. But this Shortcake is, like, a lot more concentrated on the combo. So Enlightened Tutor just lets you find your grindstone or your painter or it can find some targets like it's led if you need it as well to combo quickly so Wait, he's got a one of led in there oh he does oh my god that's insane oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so this build is just a lot better at comboing it's gonna Wait, so you go like turn one painter or, or, or something can you actually turn two like let's say you go turn one painter turn two you can no, just turn you one can't be... like yeah ancient yeah. tomb pedal led grindstone painter yeah, but that, that that requires you to have basically yeah. everything, right? The deck can totally turn to quite a lot because yeah. it has three grindstones with the fourth and the cyborg for cards as well. So how much fast mana does he play? He, he plays two lotus petals and, and three monkeys, baby. So five. Okay, that's one more than I do right now. Yeah. So there's yeah two lotus petals, three monkeys, and a mox opal as well, and then the LED. So and twenty one lands with six uh, soul lands. So it it is faster. It just has less interaction. So basically, it's better at comboing. It is a little bit faster. It also plays seven blasts, four power blasts, and three elemental blasts because it's a bridge. So it's it's just trying to combo you. It's going to be weaker against the the decks with like Emrakul and stuff in, so sneak attack and cloudpost. But it's going to combo in basically every single other game. Sometimes it can win with Khan, but uh, so it's looking to assemble the combo. And it's, I would say it's a bit harder to play as well. Like it's, you know, lots of bits and pieces here. Or I mean, for the combo. But it just really rewards uh, skill of the archetype. And he's played it for a million years now. So it's not surprising to see him do well. But I think the mid-range versions are fairly accepted as being a little bit stronger. Mm -hmm. So it's just really, really cool to see a different take here. So he's still got two Imperial Recruiter as well. The classic three goblin welder that's been a pretty much staple of shortcake three welder for a long, oh, long is it, time is it really yeah yeah it's not that uncommon <laughs> okay and then with two enlightened tutors he's got like a blood moon and a scenario bridge to search for as well i and mean it's pretty interesting you also got like four copies of lightning board in the sideboard i guess that's a concession to like tempo decks tempo decks and i see him often okay, this is like from ages Collector ago. Oof, i guess yeah kind of as well i don't know for sure because i just haven't played this version in a long time but i know he used to bring in against control when uh, but he brings in Lightning Holland, Holland, Holland against Control when, 
when um what's that car called sylvan library was really really popular oh come on really? yeah yeah and, <laughs> but he used to see, he used to stream sometimes and i would just see him like triple bolt control players out it's pretty sweet <laughs> <laughs> dude i'm loving that and then like you kept that in against me and then like you turn around you're like no i sided it in against you. <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> i know your greed and mm. i will punish you for it oh um, that's great i know that he's a big fan of bringing like surgical against fair decks to like exile swords as well so it really mm -hmm. punishes people using swords early against the goblins which i think is a very very common thing to do against the mid-range versions which you need to do whereas mm -hmm. this one the goblins are very very good don't get me wrong but they are just ex like extra combo pieces essentially and working towards the combo whereas in the other mid-range ones they're really threats to you know grind with fracturing dragon engine and stuff and it's funny you mentioned that by the way because like the other day on the way to work i was thinking about like what people do wrong against painter and i've come to the conclusion that a lot of people over respect goblin rider and Absolutely. they really shouldn't respect goblin rider as much like at least goblin engineer does something on its own right most mm -hmm. of the time uh, but goblin rider on its own literally doesn't do anything and I mean, yeah, you will still snipe it with, let, let's say, an uh, Bowmaster, but you, you, do yeah. you really want to, like, swords it if there's, like, nothing else going on? There, there are many situations where you'd rather swords the Goblin token or favor yeah. with the Mirror Breaker. I think when it gets killed turn one or two, I'm, like, 80% of the time happy. When it dies turn four onwards, I'm unhappy. It's yeah, weird. sometimes, you know, later on when it dies, that you feel like they know what you're about to do on the next turn and they yeah, want to, yeah. like, proactively counter it. And then it makes a lot of sense. But if it's just, like, trades early on, you're like, okay, cool, let's just... Yeah. I'm yeah. the ancient tomb deck. Like, as long as you trade even on mana, I, I might actually just, like, pull ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And cool. So, yeah. Uh, everyone, yeah. Strawberry shortcake rules. Love it. <laughs> and speaking of deck specialists, <clears throat> we got another quarterfinalist, and that one's Brian Cook. Oh, d and Yes. Yeah. They call him Bryant <laughs> Let Him Cook. I, I love that. <laughs> uh, you know, that should, that should be his uh, new nickname. Uh, Co-host of the Eternal Glory podcast. And it says on MTG Top 8, Beseech the Storm. Come on, guys. Like, this is this, the epic storm. This is the epic storm. This is not Beseech the Storm. Like, yeah. who, who came up with this name? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, when you look at this, actually, it's missing... The most like one of the most iconic cards of legacy ever the card that was called for being banned like so many times right of flame right of how is there no right of flame i mean i guess just cut down on red cards uh because you just want the black mana so tez didn't always play cabal rituals yes, ritual. yeah, yeah because, because like he fully committed to the new life yeah because this angle the deck's angle is full beseech the mirror and a song of creation so it really that's how it goes off very often so the engines of the deck is Beseech, four, Song of Creation, and then three Galvanic Relay as well. So the angle really is just Song of Creation. So I'm actually looking at the sideboard because you also got like four copies of Burning Wish too, mm -hmm. to like tie things together. And there's actually one card, I don't know, Consign Oblivion. Did this you know is, what that this one is? Does? Just, it's just a one and a blue bounce spell. There's a sorcery you can search for with Burning oh, Wish. Oh, because it's like like the it's the sorcery is the aftermath thingy. yeah and you can still get it with uh burning wish i guess because yeah, the, yeah. the, the consigned part is an instant yes but the oblivion one is like a black discard spell or something but that's a sorcery so but didn't we like place uh, what's it called i to nowhere or something you remember that yeah that was the one from kamigawa like Pounce yeah exactly State. right and then void snare came out and it was like oh big upgrade oh, was so much better <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, cool, cool. No, it's so cool. Like, when you see, like, deck specialists, and I guess Brian would hate to be called as deck specialist. He literally went to the finals of an LPL. Just, oh, did he actually win the LPL? Dude, I don't even remember. It's been so many years. He might have actually won the entire LPL and making it a point never to play the Epic Storm ever. Mm -hmm. 
during the entire tournament. So he's, oh, really? he's far yes, beyond just like actually. yeah, he's far beyond just like a deck special. No, but yeah. Brian Brian's just insane at Legacy. He's always been a like he's played it for so many years, so he has so much experience. But he he has a way of thinking about things. I think he's very methodical with the way he thinks, and he's very mechanic. And you know, he'll he'll have a list and he'll have thought of all the things. So. Yeah, he's, he's definitely not a deck specialist. He's just a legacy specialist that happens to have made a deck and he loves to bits. Also, from everything I've like seen and read, uh, especially about this tournament from him, like he's he's not afraid to make the right call, even if you might end up looking like stupid, which is always like uh, a quality I, I very much appreciate in a player. Like when 100%. I see people play and people are like, oh, this player is so bad, and which people sometimes do, especially if like somebody hasn't won something, they're like, oh, this is just a bad player. And sometimes I feel like, dude, you like have no idea. Like they made the right play and they looked stupid at the moment, but I think in the long run, they're like gonna come out ahead of you, like, I don't know, seven out of 10 times or something. Absolutely. And Is this the game three? Do you wanna say dude, what happened? This is, yeah, exactly. You, you can read my mind, right? Yep, I loved it. I, I completely agree with his keep here, but I think a lot of people I, I questioned it. I can't piece together the exact keep, but basically he kept, uh, he was playing like, up, he was up against Cradle Control. I can help you a bit, game. it was Bayou, two thought sees and no action yeah yeah he, had, he basically had like no combo action but he had like this reactive thingy of like this card and people were like what just like that they're gonna commit to the board and they're gonna kill you and that's kind of how it played out but he later posted this on twitter and like he went over why he kept that hand and he made it a point that the maybe not the entire matchup but a huge huge part of the matchup especially in the early game revolves around collector Oof because collector Oof is close to shutting down the deck. Like, of course, there's still lines to victory, but it's, it's it's a real big problem. And by keeping the hand that he did keep, like, he makes it so that, you know, they can't quickly natural order you. They cannot send it for for um, Collector Oof and everything. In, yeah. Even if they're Collector Oof in hand, you also get that one covered. He said you can double Thoughtseize before they get to cast a Zenith for it, right? A relevant spell, right? Yeah. That's just like, even if they have this card, like, you, yeah. you still got it. He it, also it's has just like, so much action in the deck that, you know, Odds are you draw one in a few draw steps, but yeah. and he also knows, right? This is this is not the old the deck of um, well, kill you on turn two or turn three. This is this is a deck that can technically kill you on turn three, but it, it's really only happening ever like so often. Yeah, and yeah, uh, well, he he didn't win that game, but I, I very much agreed with his reasoning and why he kept that hand. So shoutouts to him. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Love it. So another quarterfinals, we got Wyatt Gibson. Wyatt played Cephal at Breakfast, the deck that just won't die. Everyone said it was dead. Where's it gone? <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't really do too hot on, on the Eternal Weekends altogether, but ah, uh, yeah, it's it's the, the version that's basically here to stay for now, which is the, the heavily dedicated combo version that plays Orms. Like, Orms Chant was just like such a smart addition to the deck. It does have four Bowmasters. Oh, does it really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is why I thought it was interesting. It's a proper Esper version. So it's not the all, it's got two days and two Orms Chant. Orms Chant is just insane in the deck. So I love keeping those in, but it has Retrofit of Foundry and four Bowmasters. So it's kind of got Grind Pyre as well. Oh, it has Retrofit of Foundry as well? Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, oh dude, this is, oh, this is melting but my brain. It's, it's kind of a mix though, because there's no swords or prismatic ending, which you often saw main deck. Yeah, you gotta make room for that. There's no oh. staff for Storyteller, but Bowmasters is just very good. <laughs> oh, that's, that, that's not even like Pact of Negation, right? No, 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 no. I've seen the deck around Pact of Negation sometimes like in the sideboard. Yeah, yeah. They're not even doing that. No, that, that's like very all in. It has more dazes often as well. And obviously mm -hmm. no, you wouldn't play Retrofit of Foundry. You'd probably play a Moshuko. <laughs> the Retrofit of Foundry <laughs> Pact of Negation deck. Yeah. yeah. But no, <laughs> this, this, this is it's somewhere in the middle. I think it's still, 
it's it's pretty normal stockish stuff but it's just it is a very powerful deck it does threaten to kill you with like disruption turn two or punish decks that keep like very reactive slow hands it's the kind of deck i just don't want to play against it's so mm -hmm. funny like a lot of people that i talk to they, they feel like competent in most of their matchups but then stuff like breakfast is like their their blind spot where you feel like you know what i'm eh, not really gonna play against it it's, it's just breakfast like... we've said this before for sure but like breakfast and painters share a lot of similarities in how to play against it because when you play too reactive they just run you over with mid-range but if you play you know too aggressively they'll just combo you so like actually playing the deck yourself to recognize play patterns from the other side of the table is the the best way you can practice against the deck because then you'll you know you'll see oh because you played like you know this land drop turn two i think this signals blah blah and then you can kind of play more aggressively into windows where you wouldn't otherwise normally try and like you know, open yourself up to the combo yeah. so I want to say more than any deck. This mm -hmm. actually, it, it, I was going to say it abuses the the information disparity, but actually the deck is not that capable of abusing stuff like compared to like elves or paint or stuff. Where like if if the opponent hesitates, like a single turn can put you up like two, three or four cards. It can't really do that. Kind but of. I mean, we, we've all been there where we feel like I, I really want to play this thing on my main face, and it mm -hmm. taps me down to like one interactive spell, even though I have like two or three available. And you're like, I mean, yeah, just gonna fade this one turn, and like, how bad could it be? And then you I mean, going turn one nomads on core is terrifying for all of the format, because you're like, is this just bait a nothing burger? Like, honestly, half the time it's just like whatever. They don't have the the illusionist, or they have like a step through to cycle next turn to get it for a turn three. But turn one nomads does demand a lot of respect. If and it's such a super card, it. right? It's it's, it's like literally the worst creature in the entire deck, and you're <laughs> just like, oh, I, I gotta fight over this. Oh, yeah, come yeah. on, come on. So if you can respect it, I've given up respecting it quite a lot of the time. But you know that's how you lose sometimes. Thing is, a lot of times I don't respect it like for the turn two kill. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. they have like, it, of course, depending on how your hand looks like, but it, it's similar to like how I used to always treat infect. Where I was like, guys, if you got the turn two kill, so be it. I'm, I'm not gonna like handicap myself for the rest of the game by like basically skipping my first two turns, just mm -hmm. living in fear. And uh, that's kind of how I treat stuff like breakfast, even though it feels like you can interact with it a little bit more. But yeah, mm -hmm. I, I still don't like playing against it. Yeah. So yeah, shout out to White making top eight, also yeah. earning himself a copy of that Dragon Rage channeler. And then to round out the top eight, you got Nick Ferraro playing Canadian Druid. They call it here, Rock Dalva. It's it's actually four color. It's, yeah, this is very different from everything we've seen ever since, like, Death Ride Chairman, I want to say, right? Uh, it's just rug with Bowmasters. <laughs> I mean, that's for color. Yeah, like, it when's is. When's the it last is. time we've seen a proper, like, four color Delva deck? Actually, uh, it's not even Delva. It's it's, it's it's a little bit more mid range -y. It's got, like, DRC, Cresting Druid, Bowmaster, Merktide. Yeah. And then everything as you would expect, I guess. It just looks like Delva to me, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it, it, it's basically Delva, right? It's got yeah, four yeah. copies of Days and everything, Wastelands, 19 yeah. Lands, uh, yeah. But, but cool. do you think like this is gonna? This is, by the way, four color deck plays two price of progress as you do. Oh yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> I, it's Delva. I've I've seen this uh, pop up here and there. It's like um, it's okay. I think people have just you know gone to copy Rug, I guess, or like Blue Red Splash Questing Druid because you know mostly Juju being like you know winning European Eternal Weekend with it, and it's just done very well online and stuff. So, but I think there is you know this is the very classic four color Delva. It's a more powerful deck but you open yourself up to more wastelands so where do you want I wish to be? We, like we had more time to go over like the top 16 as well because like just look at all the killers that are in there like we got <sighs> Ari Lex who is, he is yep. there's, like Theo Young there's Alex Hatfield coming out of the Birdworks playing oh, yes. 
Uh, didn't he play some kind of um, paradoxical played. outcome deck, actually? No, no, he played um, uh, high side. What did he play? I thought, no, did no, he? no. He played paradoxical outcome, I'm pretty sure. Oh, really? Yeah, he got top top 32 playing because we, we had him on camera earlier, um, like in the day when, when Kai and I were doing commentary. And I'm trying, like, you, I'm waiting for it to load. I don't know what's okay. going on with my internet tonight, but, like, everything takes forever to load. Fair enough. Fair but maybe enough. you're going to be faster than me. I've, oh, oh there it is. Okay, got it here. You're okay. right. Yeah, he yeah. played Paradoxical Outcome. So three copies of PO, two copies of Transmute Artifact, Win Condition, Etherflux Reservoir, Candy Trail, which, yeah. like, raised Candy a lot Trail of Candy Trail says this is Tony Scaponi. <laughs> This is built. Is yeah, I, I yeah, heard yeah. that. Like he was the one who kind of like put it in the deck. Well, he built the deck as well, pretty much. And okay. then he, <laughs> yeah, I guess that he very much put it in the deck. Yeah, yeah. And then so he <laughs> he put Kenny Trail in recently. Yeah. This is actually kind of crazy. Like, yeah, I guess he got the ring. Mm -hmm. I mean, like basically, I'm looking at this. Like, what will people aim to counter? They will counter the ring. Uh, POs. Emery, POs. Like Emery yeah. is alright. Like you don't feel good countering Emery, right? Yeah, I mean, often for sure. But like. This is a deck where I've watched Tony stream quite a lot and he just like, you know, he plays through all the interactions so well because he's like, yeah, well, I'll just play a Thoughtcast here because they're obviously leading up, leaving up this and then I'll just, you know, play a Saga. Saga beats win quite a lot as well. It's, uh, but the deck can just do crazy powerful things. This is one of those like, if someone's new to Legacy and you're like, show me some power. <laughs> this is not as powerful as the, the pure artifact mud ones, no blue, but like this deck can do some super powerful things so uh, it's a i'm looking at, at the other names up there like there's charvis you uh, let's go Jarvis. jacob murray rings a bell right jacob murray that's luinil yeah i, I think so yep. pretty, yeah pretty yeah sure. there's there's roll there's Mark Tobias, by the way our pick for to, to win the entire thing he got top 64 playing nice. playing doomsday i think he had like some insane like Maybe, maybe he might have reposted the Twitter thing because I, I ran the numbers. I think he posted something like he won like three die rolls out of fifty over all events. I was like, this is just like you know, what? not so sure about that. I would I wouldn't even say that if I won zero. I was just like, yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's there's some insane killers up in there. Reed Duke, top thirty two. This is this Dave is Kaplan. the place to be. Dave Kaplan, exactly. Yeah. That's just like way too many people. This is this is. Well, is, is it the who is who if it doesn't have Callum Smith? Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'd be down in like the the rungs of the middle. <laughs> oh, but yeah, this is this is such an amazing event. And be, oh, there's Michael Coyle. He's one of my favorites ever. <laughs> Michael Coyle is Susurus. Oh, that's Susurus? Yeah. Did, did he play like Colorless, Colorless? Yeah, um, he's uh, Mystic yeah, Forge. Okay. Mystic yes. Forge, exactly. God damn right. The he bane did. of my existence. There's that Sam Rukas guy down somewhere. Uh, Sam did, Sam did pretty well for quite a while, but he got top 128. Yeah, playing he's four or five well, color control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that one's a scrub, right? That, <laughs> yes, he's not very good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. But before we talk about anything else, especially like the win rates, big big shout outs to Car Titan because Car Titan not only like drastically increased the prize pool. I think they also did like best unpowered for vintage, if I if I'm correct. Yes. Shout out to it, Toast who lost his winning in with completely unpowered Moonstompy. Wait, there was somebody who almost got there? Yes, lost his win in on camera. Can you imagine how insane that would be? Like, Probably like the biggest vintage tournament in, in years, if not a decade or something. Yep. And you almost make top eight playing unpowered? Yeah, so sick. I was so sad when Loss came in. It's like, oh, so like, what, what what was the angle? Like, I guess like Moons and Nilrods? It was Moons, Maguses, four Nilrod main, obviously. Uh, Trinispheres, I believe. And then four Broadside Bombardiers, baby. 
<laughs> yeah. And then I guess everything you got uh, against Graveyard decks on the sideboard or something. Yeah, I'm trying to find to see if I can find it quickly, but I can't. Yeah. But um, yeah, like I guess I, d I don't remember it really, but there was a mana crypt, so that's the power. But no Moxon, no Lotus, obviously nothing like mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. pretty insane, dude. I guess dude, just the, so the combo of Null Rod and Blood Moon just gets a lot of decks. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I guess uh, even against some great, some Basara decks. If you get a Trinisphere down, that's already like insane against them, yes, right? Yes, totally. Yeah. Like, Trinisphere or just Blood Moon them. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I want to play it. No, I want to play it. Yeah, it looks fun. I think yeah. XJ like 5 0 or 4 1 quite a lot with it leading up to the event. So. I, but, but yeah, but what I also want to talk about is like just like not only the price support and everything, Card Titan did, mm -hmm. but also the, the cast experience, I want to say, was maybe the best I've ever had. Nice. Next to, uh, like, like, like um, it's kind of hard to say, for, for an online tournament at least. Yeah. Like, yeah. I really loved, like, how, how they took care of us at Impact Returns and everything. But for an online commentary thingy, this was just, like, the most convenient thing ever. They gave us so much information. And also what Anorak did about, like, cutting down on, on the downtime, right, by, by having some pre-recorded matches and starting coverage two hours later. I think he just did some tournament where he summed it up that by the end of the tournament... He saved people three hours of downtime Amazing. altogether. As as it's a viewer, nice. it was incredible. It was so nice to watch. Back to back to back to back, right? Just really, really, really. Like literally, only like a couple of minutes of downtime. And as a caster, I also feel like people people think, oh, casters want to like decompress between. No, I, I thought I also want to do that, but actually, I love just keep like we kept going at it, just like very small breaks, like bathroom breaks, and then we kept going. So you never like decompress, and then you have to like launch back up again like yeah, you yeah just keep going keep going and that, i want to cast like that for the rest of my life <laughs> oh you just need to get anorak on everything then that easy yeah yeah and, <laughs> and bradley jx like if, if you know who bradley jx is then you're a real one like anorak told me about bradley and like sometimes i go to his twitter account just to see who who the other real people are because he's actually the guy who invented this at least oh, he, okay. he taught anorak and anorak like for a year he told me about bradley jx and all the smart stuff he does and like he actually has the biggest brain in the world and yeah so check this guy out because anything cool. awesome you see in coverage and anything you you haven't seen before that makes the viewing experience so much better chances are like anorak is putting it into action but bradley jx created it and it's a big big brain thank you bradley yeah and i don't even know what he looks like so i, I can't even thank him <laughs> at events I, I just got walk around are you bradley are you bradley oh okay thank you <laughs> But yeah, we, we got more data for you guys. We got more data. We got the data coming to us from mtgmeta.io. And this is something we already kind of were like seeing in the first two Eternal Weekend events. The best decks in Legacy, at least with regards to win rates, and we are talking about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of matches. I think only Eternal Weekend and A alone had something close to 6,000 matches. So let's say we are talking about like the, the other events are a little smaller. We're talking between ten and fifteen thousand matches of data. Which I guess you 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 they kinda overlap. Ah, actually that's fine, yeah. So the it's the the bias is just like oozing out of my ears for every single time. We're like, trying not to be. Yeah, we're trying not to be biased, but holy shit, like Painter was the best deck in all three tournament weekends combined. I'm, -wise. To be completely unbiased, I'm quite surprised. I was not that high on the deck. I, I some people reached out saying, do you have any ideas? Are you testing for Eternal Weekend and things? I didn't really have anything to give and I kind of regret not helping them more. But I just thought the deck is bottom tier one, very high tier two. I wasn't sure. I felt like it was kind of struggling with the 
I think it doing well was because I was struggling with the blue black scam matchup, but that deck has kind of fallen off actually. So that's part of why it's probably done so well. The secondly, I think it is a deck where I hate to admit it, but like one guy's blessing or an emerald in random sideboards, like it doesn't mean you just also win the matchup, obviously, because you lose to the mid range of painter quite a lot. But it is just a swing in the matchups. So it's quite an easy deck to kind of you know hate hate a bit so well, then, i guess not even necessarily hate but get a, get an edge exactly exactly it, it it's an emerald is not a hate hate card it can totally be played around and now that the deck has done very well people are going to add it back and now it has to be on our radar as painter players again but people have just completely cut that thing like you'll sometimes have an initiative deck with one in the sideboard but it's not a common thing and now it'll probably come back so i think it's like a much less exaggerated version of like when dredge is bad dredge is good when dredge is good dredge is bad kind of thing so that helps <laughs> i do i do think the the white splash is very very good and has helped it and it's now a bit of a coming out like you know people are paying swords yeah. and fourth illingus now so i think that helped as well fourth probably wasn't on people's radars especially oh those i mean for, for i guess for quite a few people because it's been somewhat popular but yeah mm -hmm. i think in a, in a tournament of i mean like players, from, pa from painter specifically yeah, yeah. no no yeah i was yeah. talking about painter but okay. i think in a tournament of a thousand people i think you will certainly yeah. catch tons of people off guard. someone know for sure but so yeah i i was very happy obviously and as i said quite surprised i, I expected yeah. it to be in the just over 50 percent kind of era yeah it's actually 56 which for yeah. a legacy deck and like we're talking about 700 matches for painter here that that's i mean all of this is like pretty significant at that point yeah and, that's a lot yeah. of matches that's a very high win rate for a lot of matches Again, you know, you could always argue you can have more, but for what we usually, <laughs> for, for what we get out of Legacy, usually that's very high. Mm -hmm. There's one Achilles heel, according to the data, and also in my own experience. And it's one of those decks where people are like, "No, no, I, I actually I do find that matchup," and then they they win four out of ten, and they have, they feel like, "Oh, it's actually not that bad, right?" And you're <laughs> like, "And that is initiative." And looking at the matchups that Painter has had over those three tournaments, it's literally the only negative matchup. Initiative is 42.5%. Which I, I think is a good matchup for painters. Dude, so. <laughs> get out of here. Dude, sure, like, fucking get out of here. Seriously. Like, what, what, what are we talking about, man? Like, initiative is not a good matchup for painter. Well. How is it a good matchup for painter? Like, you never get, like, even if you, like, try to get the initiative, like, you lose it just, right over and, like, you also lose your entire board while you try to get it. It's just like. I, I found, like, you know, kind of like a little bit of, like, bias side. It's. It's pretty even, but the way both decks... Oh, see, now no, no, we come down to pretty even. No, I, I think it's slightly <laughs> favorite of Painter, honestly. But it depends on the variant of Painter a lot. And it's, it's one of these matchups where you both play your opening hand. I know it's a joke, it's obvious. But you play your opening hand and the game is uh, very much I need, I need to take notes. Okay, play opening hand as us here. But the okay. way the game plays out is, you know, really based on who has a better opening hand. Like, the game goes longer and top decks can decide it later. But when one of these decks wins, it can just feel like a complete blowout. So you need to play a lot of ma of matches from either side to get a good feel of actual numbers, how it is. Because you could play as painter and just like, you know, have the turn one creature, turn one like uh, painter off Ancient uh, Tomb, and then Fury, their turn one seasoned engineer and get the initiative. They don't get it back. and Or you just combo them quickly. You can have some really, really good draws. Um, I think actually the wins that you do get are usually with the combo. Uh, this is one of those matchups where I don't really feel that confident in the mid-range thingy. For me, it's a complete mix. But again, I've been recently playing with four Fury, two Touch the Spirit Realm, and four Swords in the deck. So <laughs> <laughs> This is the next evolution of Painter. Well, yeah, I, I can see that helps. So I went to this angle because I thought Initiative and Dragon and Stumpy are very good at the moment. So I want four Fury 
and yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's good. Dude, by the way, I feel so stupid. Like, ensnaring bridge is the stupidest, biggest trap you can ever have against initiative. Like, what the fuck was yeah, I thinking? Yeah, they just touch it or, or hide behind it. <laughs> yeah, they had, they're just like, you. oh, okay, I, I got the initiative. I will play ensnaring bridge. And they play like, I don't know, I was going to say like white bloom adventure, probably not, like case. <laughs> <laughs> but Judge. you get the idea, right? <laughs> Let's just take like, the initiative and you're like, oh. <laughs> I, do, I will say, I think the, the initiative matchup, you have to play quite, yeah, weird. Like you have to play very tight against as painted to win it. So I'm not saying I play it well either, but like you need to really plot it's out combat. You need dude. to work out two turns ahead where your removal spell is going. But like the, the, the fucking stupid solitudes, they always get me. That that's like what what messes up everything. Yeah, solitude is a card you can rarely play around, so you kind of just eat that. Yeah. Uh, and initiatives hands when they're good are just insane and beat almost everything in the format. So you often have to recognize when they're having a nut draw and just go for your high rolls. Like, if they play a turn one four mana initiative creature and you don't have a Fury or a Swords on the spot, you need to play your turn one um, Saga and, like, hope you draw an Engineer or a Painter or something to combo them quickly. You need to play to your outs when you recognize their nut draws. So, And then mm. sometimes you don't hit it, but yeah. Yeah, and so that sometimes happens way too hard. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess we disagree on that. I, I really yeah. don't like the matchup, and I feel that reflected here in the numbers as well but fair enough, fair enough. i guess your, your your current list is certainly better than, than yeah I'm playing that, right now. that plays a big part of it for sure yeah. okay now we've talked about initiative actually the second most successful deck 55 percent at 900 matches uh what can we say about initiative that has not yet been said about it that deck no, is really good not surprising in the slightest i think the deck will continue to be amazing it is amazing it's just very strong and i think it'll be one of the top contenders for quite a long time now it's, yeah. it's you know what i like yeah you know what I like about the deck so much? It, like, it really punishes people who struggle early on. Like, you kept an mm-hmm. awkward hand. Like, you you made some kind of misstep with your lands, with your early plays. Like, yeah, that's it. Next you game. You mean four ponder, two lands is not a good hand? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah, maybe. Maybe one day. Would you, would you ever uh, mulligan that hand in the blind on the draw? On the draw? I, I've probably not. No, 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 no. It depends like on which kind of deck I'm playing, but I, I can't really imagine a deck that I would play that wouldn't want that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. If I had information on the opponent, they're, they're like, oops, our spells. Yeah, I'm, I'm running on them. Of course, but, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's, let, let's com- let's complete the triple red trio of the oh, most successful well, decks. It? Yeah. it is, yeah, the third most successful deck. And by the way, we are talking about decks with a certain threshold of matches. Um, so we're not talking about, yeah, you know, mono, white, aggro, tree fork, whatever have you. That one, whoa, six whoa, percent. That, that, that deck was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're trying to hide the tech for the next Eternal Weekend. That's the idea, right? Now, uh, yeah. like the, <laughs> we're actually coming to a deck that has the least amount of matches in, in this top 12 or something. And that is Dragon Stompy at still 428 matches. And Dragon Stompy won 54% of their matches. And Dragon Stompy, I guess we also call it like Moon Stompy. I think that's a more common name. Red Stompy, it says so here on MTG Meta. Uh, everybody knows what they're talking about, right? It sometimes differs in like their choice of, of win condition, but I think broadside bombardiers has been widely adopted at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. Is it not? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you think about this one? Because I think that one was kind of out of the, the spotlight for, for some time, and now it's somewhat coming back. Yeah, I think there's a... I think bombardiers has added to the deck's power quite a lot. It's just... Okay, that's really good. It's just a really good card. And then... Dragon Stompy always goes in and out of fashion, and how good it is depends on often how good Chalice and Blood Moon are. Chalice is not great at the moment, hasn't been for a while, but Blood Moon is good because Delver's gone to Rug and Grixis as opposed to Blue Red. And, you know, there's these four, five color mid range soup decks. 
bug beans is kind of a thing as well. The blue bat scam, despite them having the land cyclers, a blood moon is much better than a magus in you know game ones as well. So I think like bombardiers just made the deck quite a lot more powerful, and then it's just fairly well positioned as well. So yeah, I guess bombardier also gives you a little bit more of reach, kind of that uh, basically can close out the game a turn quicker than it used to. If you need to block a merc tide. Yeah, for example, I guess. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but dude, I, I was just trying to sing a block <laughs> the, the stupid bombardiers just like before this game. I was like, oh, dude, yeah, this menace. Like, all, all of all the things was just, was like, oh, and ma- let's make it also a lot harder to block. Oh, just have like uh, menace plus being able to shoot something in the face is just yeah, it, it, like it, it incentivizes horrible blocks for you. Like you yeah. basically want to triple block it, and and then you still like lose all your board. You it's, can't really block it. It's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you kind of want to because you don't want to do the stupid, you know, fury post combat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Dragon Stomp is really good. See, uh, I'm not. I'm not surprised to see it up there as well. Honestly, it's it's um, it's kind of why I said like I didn't actually look at the numbers yet, but that's why I said I want to be playing four fury in painter because these two decks are so strong. And very much is very yeah. much is. So yeah. Um. By the way, you know what these decks got in common? Ancient Tomb. Exactly. They abused the card that like one year ago we we were calling the best card in the format. Or is it Basic Mountain? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny, right? For I think there was a time in Legacy where we were talking about like it's basically a four-color format. Mm-hmm. Nobody plays red. Then we talked about like how nobody plays black. And now like it's all about Oh, but now it's, now it's like soup, no red, and then just red on its own saying, screw you guys, I'm going to play soup, up no by red myself. and all red, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the top <laughs> of the metagame. This is yeah, right against the world. That's yeah. how we do it. Uh, really, really good. I, I, um, I mean, a card like Ancient Tomb can only ever get better, right? That's just like nobody's gonna start playing. Like, what do we have? Like, uh, I don't even remember the stupid name of the card. Wait until um, people played Sabo's Web's main deck. Yeah, exactly. So oh, is, something does like that, that. Work? No, no, sorry. No, that's... that doesn't do anything. Like, I'm talking about the card <laughs> that else. makes a tap for one mana that people played against Cradle for a while. Oh God, damping it's also, sphere. Um, do, 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 damping sphere. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That, yeah, let. Not gonna happen. Please, like, not please, good. please play paint. Please play that card against like all these three top decks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, now after after our, our ancient tomb top of the format right now, we come to fourth place. Fourth place with a whooping one thousand two hundred matches. Beanstalk control. There's many different flavors of beanstalk for MTG meta. They basically turned it into a single deck, which, as Callum already mentioned, can sometimes be four color now red, sometimes four color now black, sometimes five color. Very rarely, still, I guess, like band three color. That's not really a thing anymore, right? No, I, I, there's probably some in there. There's definitely players out there who are on it. But I think either red for blast or like meltdown actually more necessarily or bow masters is just like you really need an, a bit of extra power band is just a bit flavorless yeah i feel like even even the red versions they sometimes just have a single volcanic for fourth erlingers oh, yeah, they fourth, don't even bother to play yeah. any kind of blasts like they, they have the blue blasts yes. that's all you need and like it it makes so much sense right you look at the top of the meta game and and you see like all these top red decks mm-hmm. and blue blast is so annoying to play against yeah. and you yeah, yeah. I would, I would even get them out of like, like from under like a like a Megas of the Moon or something if, if they got some access to. Blue, yeah, blue just mana. having like two or three Lorien revealed in your deck and then having some blue blasts means you can get under Blood Moons. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Now I, this is about where I think I overestimated this deck before Eternal Weekends, and we all did. I thought it was actually a bit too good and going to be a and bit one, overbearing. It basically I, got like triple into into Japan top 8, right? It did have triple tri- or quadruple or something. It, had, it did have three in Japan top 8. Huh? But it didn't... I just thought it would be like triple or four of in all the top 8s. I, I think thought, it's still the best blue deck in the format according to these stats here. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But um, I was quite happy to see it didn't put three or four into every top 8. 
but I just thought there was a chance of that. And I do agree with the general direction that people went for Japan and um, America here with the Bowmasters in the main. I think that's definitely the route to go with it. Mm -hmm. But uh, Europe didn't really have that as much. So it was interesting, interesting to see a divergence there. I guess Europe is still addicted to that stupid dragon, like the danger noodle in the sky. What's it called? Yorian. Yorian. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, like yeah. don't play Yorian. Come on. Come yeah, on. yeah. Apparently Yorian is only good in death and taxes, and death and taxes spawn 50% of its matches flat. Nice. Nice. <laughs> but yeah, before we get to that, um, we, we got two more decks here. We got Grixis Diver at 52% and Rock Diver at 52%, basically sharing the top spot for the best uh, tempo deck in the format. Um, I feel like Rock is... Wasn't Rock supposed to be pretty good against against Grixis? I thought I, yeah, okay. It also says so here. They they yeah. have a matchup of like, I mean, take it or leave it. Some percentages here, but this is sixty one percent in favor of Rock against Grixis. Oh, wow. I guess just like having extra grinding power from the Questing Druid. Yeah, also stuff that gets around uh, Bowmasters, I guess, in yep. that regard. Yeah. Also, if you if you bought um, the guide from from uh, Chuchu, mm -hmm. uh, he also mentioned like on the draw, you literally you take out the divers because you don't want to lose your creatures to Bowmasters and stuff. Yeah. So I guess yeah, the, you you can very much lean into control role in that matchup. This is a lot of tempo in the the events though, like one thousand eight hundred, eight hundred, almost one thousand nine hundred matches. Yeah, yeah, for those two. And then I guess we also count Scam, right? That's also kind of a tempo deck. Yeah, and then Shadow yeah. is a tempo deck. Um, I mean, Legacy has always been pretty tempo heavy. For I'm sure. I'm not say. saying it's unhealthy, but like there's a lot of representation between, yeah, Grixis, Rug, and then as you said, Scam and Shadow, like similar things. You know what I like? I like that there's like not the de facto tempo deck. Remember when we had like um, uh, excessive, expressive iteration and it was just like blue, red, and that's it? Completely agree. I'm like, I'm saying these numbers, but I'm not saying this is a problem at all. I'm saying. I love that there's multiple three-color Delver decks. I think it's a really cool thing. Like, you know, back in the day, there was, you know, you got your Bugs and your Grixis and sometimes Jeskai yeah, and stuff. I'd love to see Bug Diver coming back. Bug Diver was cool. Yeah. I really like Bug Diver. It's just, like, it's very solid. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, this is cool. The 52% win rate for two different kinds of Delver, that's great. That's a good place for Delver to be. We've and accepted then, that it's always going to be, like, one of the top things, so. Yeah, and, and it certainly is. So mm -hmm. very, very much is so. And then we got a couple more decks like hovering around 50%. That's like eight cast, blue black scam, death and taxes, lands, all at like 50, 51%, mm -hmm. also with like 700 ish matches to almost all of them, except for death and taxes, which was played a little bit less. But I guess that's that's just like death and taxes in the meta game right now. Uh, not not good, not bad. Uh, something something Chernobyl meme. Uh, yeah. Have, want... you, have, have you watched that? Which one? Sorry. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I just want to call out scam as well. Cause like I said, I think scams kind of dropped off. I'm not really sure how, where, why, but it was kind of pegged as the, the deck to beat for a little bit, by myself at least. But it's kind of just fallen into a good deck and totally fine. But do you think do you think its downfall-ish has been because of Initiative and Dragon Stompy being good? Oh, dude, are you looking at the data? Because that's exactly what it says here. Okay. Like, it got this destroyed data, so... Initiative like No Tomorrow. It has like 34 really? win percentage against okay. Initiative. Okay. It only has 40% against Beanstalk, and it has 33% against red stompy which is like blood uh, moon cool i should probably should be looking at the data that we're talking about <laughs> actually it's like really bad against most decks and then really? it's good against reanimator which i guess makes sense that makes it's, a lot of sense it's good against death shadow which i guess it's the same deck but yeah it's got a little bit more tools i'm surprised it's so bad against initiative because i saw a common thing was you know discard their creature and reanimate it but i guess they just play another one <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and also doesn't always work that way i guess that's true uh, that's true uh, uh, uh. 
But yeah, um, tons of like decks that, uh, you know what I just like, there's tons of decks in different playstyles in there. I guess the only thing that's missing from the very top is combo, right? I guess painter counts as kind of combo. Yeah, combo uh, is missing for sure overall. A spell combo especially. Like yeah. spell combo is not really, like there's sneak and show, which is basically eight, A plus B combo, but that's already sitting at 48%. Yeah. Uh, then there's shadow at 47%. And then of course, the last, the worst kit in the class, the thing, the deck that always does the worst and people on Twitter go uh, like that. There's canister going on Twitter like why is nobody playing reanimate? It's so good. Literally reanimate comes last in these stats like literally all the time. Like you look at these these legacy challenges. You look at for like four seasons. You look at this. Lit of, out of all the most played decks, it's always reanimate on the bottom and they still put one in the top eight just because people love reanimator. Mm. Me included. I love reanimator. Uh, when I loved it, it was like Phantom Nishoba and that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, you can still do that in pre-modern. Oh. Uh, as if I needed any more reason to. Phantom of Shobra is like a staple of that. It used to be like a thing in Legacy, but that, that yeah. was like very beginning. That's like it was right. quickly yeah. outclassed. <laughs> but Reanimator's still there kicking kicking around. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I So about spell-based combos, I, this is not what the spell-based combo players or fans want to hear. And I kind of kind of disagree with myself, but I, I wouldn't say it's bad, but it's not in the results at all. So I don't really have an answer for you here. But like, I think Storm Decks and Doomsday are, are pretty good. I wouldn't say they're mm -hmm. bad. I think they're probably underrepresented here. I think Scam I think they, was they, they might actually They might actually not show up because they just didn't play enough matches. That's yeah. also another thing. Yeah, I, I don't have the data right in front of me, but I think just not being here isn't really a bad sign. I, again, I still say, I think Beseech the, the Mirror, is it Mirror? Beseech the Storm, yeah, is, is really powerful. And there's that PO deck, which I still think is really good. PO if you actually go down to enough matches, had the best win rate out of Legacy decks. Ah, okay. So okay. I, th I think combo decks are strong. They're just not played anywhere near as much. So actually, that would, yeah, that would actually tell me that they're underplayed. That, yeah. Uh, there might actually be, like, room for them. And, like, you you, you know how we talked about um, maybe cutting mindbreak traps and stuff from, from Painter because, like, do, do we really need them? And they're not good, not good against Doomsday and stuff. But that's exactly the kind of deck where you would want. I just respect co the combo decks enough that even if I don't use these cyber slots i think the decks are so strong i really think mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. again storm doomsday and po are very very good decks so yeah i'm actually looking at some more data from mtg meta which is like a little bit more aggregated with like more tournaments and stuff and doomsday is doing really well cool uh all the other stuff not so much but that's also just like a very quick glance there's not actually there's not too much storm combo listed by them in the first place yeah that's the problem like I know. Is got... Forge combo forty three percent? Like okay. very respectable. So <laughs> chess guy control forty four percent. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what we say about that kind of deck. From the aggregated <laughs> win rates from I think it was the MTG Goldfish data. I, I mm -hmm. know Paradox Outcome had a sixty one point sixty percent win rate. Insane, right? But yeah. I guess there were but eleven really players. Many pre yeah, I was going to say like <laughs> very yeah. small sample. But yeah, it, it certainly points to something. Mm -hmm. like, that, like, yeah, playing against like is also a little bit of a nightmare because you. I mean, you you know, everybody who listens to this, I guess most people will know that thing where, like, they play their thing that you kind of want to counter, but you feel like if they get something <laughs> else, you get destroyed. But at least against this one, usually the one ring, you feel like you can hang and maybe fight, but if they have PO, you get destroyed. So you're like, eh, should I counter or not? Mm -hmm. And, and like... If they misstep their dad, and if they if they make the right choice, you you still get to play, and and that's just like that's why I appreciate yeah. about it. like. But that's that's one more deck I want to talk about, and I put it in the show notes there. And yes. we already talked about it in the beginning. People should really not sleep on goblins and both variants of this. There are these like almost combo esque versions that that play like no wild or like all sicker goblins, 
and help me out the new the new haste goblin that always destroys Battle me. Battle cry goblin is so yeah, good. That's so annoying. That card is so so, so good. Be good. Yeah. So we, we got that, and then we also get the more traditional version, which I think also sometimes plays like two sticker goblins or something, right? Yeah. Two or three. Two or three. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that one's also really good. I think we we got uh, Chiodu Chariot, which mm -hmm. just won a legacy challenge with like straight up wild goblins. Love it, love it. And also at the tournament weekend, we only had fourteen players playing goblins, but they got to a win rate of fifty seven percent. So looks like the deck is very playable. And judging by my own experience, dude, I get destroyed. Yeah, so it's really good. Thing. So there was two of the the like stompy version in the top sixteen as well. Oh yeah, there, there was uh, Romario Neto, right? Yep, Romario. Like the, yeah, Romario. Remember Romario, and then somebody else as well. Yeah, but I mean that that's kind of like the storm deck of the format right now. Yeah, kind, <laughs> it's just kind like of. Kills you turn, turn two, turn three, it's over. GG. Turn Come one, on. yeah. Good turn luck. one, stick a goblin, and then Muxus storm yeah. two. <laughs> it's, it's just it's. Insane. It is very good, but I love that both uh, versions are doing well. Like it's no secret, I'm a big goblin fan. So, you know, the vile goblin thing doing well is great. And Eli, who is Goblin Lucky One, he's been shouting that goblins are very, very, very strong for the past few months, honestly, like at least two. You know, did Eli actually win the Battle of Goblin Luckies? <laughs> well, it I think like, all the others have like gone off into the Warrens. So. No, there, there were like so many people named after Goblin Lucky. Yeah, he, yeah. There was like Goblin Lucky One, who's Eli, and then there was Charn One Goblin Lucky. Is, is he still around? I don't know. I'm going to say he, Eli One because all the other ones, I don't know where they are. We had one of them on a podcast, and I think it was Eli. Yeah. A long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, he won, he won. Like, oh, I guess won. He, he like won for sure. Like, <laughs> that's how we're going to spin is, it. He's, he's the Goblin King, for sure. He's, yeah. What's the next? He's the Maxis. I know. He, he'll want to be Goblin Brandy King. or something. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> cool. Oof. But yeah, that was that was quite the event. Also, I really loved enjoying, and I really enjoyed just like sitting back and watching the finals. Like Kai and I, mm. we kind of wanted to to cast all of it, but then as the tournament grew and like we added a second t team of commentators and stuff, like we we split it up and we ended up doing the first shift every day because we're like fully based in Europe. Mm -hmm. And like just sitting back and watching the top eight, that gave me such such strong like you know yeah. the old SEG vibes and stuff. Like wow, oh, I loved, loved it that so much. I had set aside time to watch it, so I was just chilling as well, enjoying my this, no downtime. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that I would even like rewatch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is this is something else, and you you know we are probably gonna talk about this in a future episode. And I already have like one or two guests on mind because I think the next one Kai is also not gonna make it because that's when he's gonna be in Japan, I believe. But I kind of want to talk about like after after Legacy has shown up like big time, big big time, like what's the future for it like just the other day like there there was this big discussion on twitter about like how so many people seem frustrated with magic and like e hashtag ev right you probably saw that as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah you, did you really on twitter yeah yeah i think so <laughs> you think so okay because you did so good. no like basically the last two days there has been this huge debate about, about EV, like uh, ev from events and stuff yeah exactly yeah. like is it worth it to go to these events and like and play and like everything is so bad like so much so much frustration is coming out, and I can see where that that's coming from. Especially if you play like these these I don't know RCs, and then like you go to the one thousand three hundred player RC, and like only I don't know top sixteen or something qualifies, and it's just like, is this even worth it? But I, I kind of feel like that's not really a thing. Like, when's the last time you knew what the top price at four seasons was? Yeah. Oh yeah. I the first uh, top seasons I played were at top sixteen. I didn't know there was a prize until Francis told me to go and get it. Um, <laughs> No, I, I I've been reading it and I feel just feeling quite lucky that I'm so de like detached from that kind of thing because you know when I was younger Very I was I was more into magic, 
but I'm reading it thinking this is, you know, I'm not interested in these events to begin with. So I'm, and I'm lucky by in that regard, because, you know, the magic grind is quite addicting and it is quite unhealthy for a lot of people. And some of the more mature people, this is not a slight against the people that are really into it and stuff, but some more mature people that have been there through the better times, you know, years ago, are able to be like, reflect on it a bit more and be like, okay, I've had my fun, blah, blah. But coming into magic now and into the grind now as a younger kid and stuff, and, you know, it's so much harder, so much more expensive. Uh, I, I can see why you're like trying to work out, you know, can I afford to go to this thing? The events are so much more expensive than they used to be. You're like, you know, trying to cap yourself for what you can afford to go to. Whereas in the past, it was like, you just go to every single one because, you know, you're playing magic. Mm. Yeah. And so yeah. I think it's a, I think everyone needs to show some humility and understand what it's like to be a younger person that's just really into a game. Like we were all there once when we were younger as well, but it's just way harder to play now. So all, that's actually a good point, right? All of the, all of the older people being like, oh, the EV is the friends you see along there. But like, that's because we've been there already. So. It's actually a good point, didn't it, actually? actually? Because the thing is, it's not like we don't complain in Legacy, right? Especially Eternal Weekend Europe. Like, we certainly complained about, like, compared to, for example, NA, the, the like, the price power and everything was mm -hmm. just like, it's just like, I can't even properly compare it. Yeah. But then again, yeah, we, we very much are in that boat of, like, it's fine for me if I play, like, three or four big events a year yeah. and the rest is just, like, local stuff and I own my decks and or I can play with proxies. Like, all yeah. of that stuff doesn't concern me. And even if the quote-unquote buy-in versus payout ev is bad i can still treat it as a holiday yeah and i think you, you made a good point that a lot of people can't do that especially with decks costing like i don't, I don't even know right honestly like 500 600 oh, 700 decks entry fees travel yeah, hotel yeah, yeah. It, it adds up so much that you're just never gonna be making money on these events but there's this illusion that you will and sometimes you do and you know the top top players do but you know what sucks actually kind of when i think about it like, if that has had happened to me at some point in Legacy earlier, like, I I, I think I was lucky in in the sense that I got really deep into Legacy and, like, made lots of connections, played lots of events all around the world. Mm -hmm. When Legacy was really cheap and playing cheapies was really cheap, and I guess it was also pre-COVID and flights were cheaper, and, like, basically everything was a yeah. lot cheaper. And I also didn't have a lot of money, like, really not, but mm -hmm. it kind of worked. Whereas now, I think if you're coming up and and you you kind of want to do all that stuff, like I guess you want to move out and and what else, and and you also want to have a legacy, deck. Or, or even a modern deck. Like we're not even necessarily yeah. talking about legacy. I see where the frustration is coming from. I think the biggest problem is you you almost feel like you can't walk away because you're so invested in like the game, the community, your yeah, skill your, as your a player, are there. like your friends, right? Like if you walk away and stop playing, you know you've you've spent like a lot of your youth making friends and connections with these people, and then. You're like, hey, guys, you want to do something? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to this magic event. Let's do that. I mean, so, that's what magic players do, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and it's kind of like sunk cost, but it's not sunk yet. <laughs> I don't know. That's sunk cost fallacy, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And not even with regards to like buying cards, but also no. like with, with committing your life to something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I don't know who it was. I think it was Max Torsion who, who had like a really good tweet about um, basically for a lot of people also when they go to big events, it's the... the they might not necessarily say it, but it certainly was for me like the search for glory. Like mm -hmm. if you get to a feature match and like pe people talk about you and that kind of stuff, that felt really good, like really good, especially the first times like when it happened. And when there's less coverage, it's it's not that exciting. Yeah, I, I guess. fully agree. I saw that tweet as well, and I totally agree with it. Like for me, I would prefer like a stream going in the tournament I'm playing in just for that chance of glory 
than extra prizes. Like I, I know a lot of people would disagree. There's a lot of people that just like competing and winning and stuff. That's probably a more popular thing, but I don't know. It's just a proof that again, people want different things out of it. So, you know, you're trying to cater to a lot of things, but I think we just had it pretty good before. So Yeah. 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 We certainly had. And it's there's a problem right now, and I don't know what the solution is mm -hmm. and how it's going to be tackled. I know, I think a legacy, for Legacy, it's in a pretty good place. Yeah, Legacies, now we're quite lucky that we're just on the outside looking in. I think the next three years are going to be very turbulent for, you know, mainstream magic. Oh, was, oh okay, Tempting. I guess now we're getting into like a really diff completely different <laughs> topic. And I just something, said, yeah. like the more I talk about this, um, or rather the further we get away from the core topic, the less I know about it. But like just the other day on Twitter, I saw something that, that people were like really not that excited for the future of Wizards, but very much excited for the future of Magic. And which is like this huge disconnect because you can only buy the whole package. If you if you want to buy like Wizard stock, you, you buy like Hasbro stock. Uh, or, or rather, they are not excited for the future of Hasbro, right? But you, you got to buy the whole package. And that's where the, this whole idea of breaking Magic off from Hasbro came. So people can directly invest into into um, Magic, but then Hasbro would probably tank and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when there's this inherent thing where this one brand is, is putting this company, oh, it's probably not good. But it's probably, no, it's definitely not good. <laughs> <laughs> also, by the way, fuck, fuck all those layoffs. Like, literally, yeah. they laid off like how many people? Thousands or something right before Christmas? absolutely disgusting yeah like especially like when you think about like how much talk there is about like oh magic is like doing so great and the record year record year record year and, yeah. and then they're like oh we'll and just let you go before christmas this is like dave mcdarby's and stuff this is not just randoms and things it's 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 very you, disheartening you, you, you're not you're not talking about like interns who didn't, it, yeah like, exactly this is people who have like dedicated their life to magic and stuff it's yeah it's, it's it was actually quite shocking like, when you saw it on, on Twitter when like everybody was all of a sudden saying, oh, I got laid off, I got yeah. laid off, I got laid off. Yeah, it's it's just further nail in the coffin of like, I guess, the community sentiment towards the company. Yeah, I, I just think there's very few people that like the company anymore that actually have been fully invested in the game all their life. Yeah, there's only so much good where you, you will have for results at that yeah. point. yeah, yeah. yeah. On the other hand, like Daybreak, amazing. <laughs> it's just like I can't like Daybreak take over the entire thing. And yeah. Th and then, um, yeah, us like legacy players that play Magic Online, are, yeah, feeling pretty good. Like we we have the forty k cards, but we do have Daybreak, and kind of like no one gives a shit about our format, so we're happy with it. You, you know the thing is about Daybreak, it's it feels so good that I almost am scared whether there's like some rude awakening to it that where sometimes like they wake up and they're like, oh, by the way, now there's a monthly fee of $50 for Magic uh, online and you get nothing in return, mm. which obviously is not going to happen. But like it, we've had it really good with them. And I feel like, well, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I've been burned in the past and I've trust or commitment issues. I feel like, <laughs> is, is this going to be like this good, like forever? <laughs> I don't know, because oh. if you told me that, five or before covid or when, when we had SCG like streams every weekend and i don't know i would have mm. thought i would have thought things get better and bigger every time so what can you say yeah but i guess this is a good part to to end it today and um uh, oh yeah by the way callum uh, i guess we that's one more question coming mm -hmm. from needon from discord yeah what did you learn from eternal weekend for your own sanctioned tournaments actually i guess your tournaments aren't sanctioned but you yeah. i guess competitive tournaments so actually I, I do have a good answer for this because i don't think it's eternal weekends didn't actually show me anything i i was surprised by how many people came out like obviously very positively surprised I wasn't surprised that there was a lot of interest in big paper events 
But what I've learned recently is a very important thing for little grassroots events is so we have Axion now, who's our biggest TO in, in the UK, and I love them dearly. They, as I've said many times in this podcast, they're huge supporters of Legacy, big supporters of what I've done with LLM and stuff. But the last events were not particularly well attended, and I think it's just because rising costs is the real bigger thing. We put out some, or well, not myself personally, but some other people put out some polls, and cost was the biggest driving factor for not attending. But I think we're talking about the the Axion Now events. Yeah, yeah, and okay. I know the, the I've talked to uh, the owners, and I know that they're not price gouging at all. That's just the cost of you know putting on events these days. It's a really really hard position they're in. But the biggest thing was there's a lot of people without decks as well, and I didn't really work, work this out until quite recently, a few months ago, where where if you have these big kind of premier-ish events like you know Axia now big events are expecting over 100 people at least or you've got your four seasons but Italy is kind of like a special thing because they have such a good scene but then you have these small grassroots events like I have LLM where you've got the 40s 50 people sometimes a bit less you really need middle events at like the 70-ish people because and those ones you can probably sanction and have no proxies but you need a stepping stone because to go from my small events where proxies are always allowed and always will be where people, you know, come and play brews, it's very cheap to enter, it's very, very casual. But then to jump to a, you know, very expensive entry fee, but with huge prizes, it's just too big of a jump for a lot of people. So I don't know if I have the energy in me to do now, but I think to have a big kind of countrywide scene in a say, in a sense, you mm -hmm, need to have mm -hmm. small grassroots events, you need to have maybe quarterly, maybe bi-monthly, but like, kind of mid medium-sized events where first place maybe gets a jewel that's quite big still but like not not bigger than that and then you can have these every six months kind of big big events so mm -hmm. that's something i've learned recently which i thought is not actually specifically about eternal weekend but something to keep in mind for you know organizers in other countries of these middle or smaller size events just keep it in mind if you're setting mm -hmm. up a kind of a country-wide scene it's interesting, so, so, uh, something that's happening in at least southern Germany right now. Mm. Uh, it's not exactly that. Uh, we, we have more tournaments, like four, or I want to say soon to be five or something, mm -hmm. um, who band together under like one name, which still is kind of up in the air, and I'm not a fan of the current one, and I don't even know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a fan, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I, I only remember I, I wasn't a fan of the name, but I think that, that the people who actually do, do this, they are aware. Not not of mm. me not being a fan, but that the name might need some work. But so basically that you earn these slots for the end of season invitational, which is kind of different because like that's very selected. And then there's like a tournament with like 16 or, or 32 people, which is like the opposite of what you are describing. But in general, it, it has the same idea of like having this regional, like all of like almost like Southern Germany thing that bands together into what mm -hmm. feels like a bigger thing, I guess that that that's the the idea behind it. It's not like your individual small tournaments here and there, but they they you feel like you're part of a bigger league. Like in, you know, in Italy, they always call mm -hmm. it the league, like the law league, and yeah, what yeah. have you. If this works, this is brilliant. I think this is what you want. Um... Yeah, and there was some some talk of actually even streaming the the final thing, which would add even more to like I guess we talked about the glory factor. Mm -hmm. But that's that's um, in, in German we say that's music from the future. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I've 
I've had so many people recommend I stream these events and it's just like maybe in the future, but it, it's, it's a is, big setup cost. The thing is also, I don't think it's really worth it. No, I, like, that's what I've always thought. You get like, I don't know, 15 to 20 viewers if you're lucky. It's a ton and, of work. I mean, yeah. it's great for those people, but overall, I don't think it's worth it. No. Especially, no. yeah, people I think underestimate the work. To be blunt, my answer has always been, sounds great. When do you want to do it? <laughs> loving it, loving it. And Gonna steal that. They never want to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we had somebody else who also wanted to do it, and um, he even recorded it. But then I, I think he already knew, and he never really put them out. Like it's just, yeah. actually kind of sad. Like I, I won the invitation, the Southern Travel Invitational in January, and he recorded basically all the tournament. But then it was just like too much work for him, so he put out all the matches up until the semifinals, and then he put it up. The, like I won the finals, he didn't oh. put it up, and it was like the greatest game because the I won best one. with like. Yeah, I, I got milled out, and then I still won on the upkeep with the initiative thingy. And oh uh, yeah, yeah. What can you do? <laughs> but yeah, that's it from us today. If you mm -hmm. like Everyday Channel, if you like Legacy, if you like us, I guess you can support us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or you can also join the Patreon on Patreon.com/slash Everyday Channel. Or rather, most importantly, just literally tell everybody about about the podcast. Tell Shout your friends, your your mother, your father, anybody, your dog. If, if she's got a like a <laughs> smartphone, can give us clicks. Nice. Dog is the way to go. And with that, we are gonna call it a day. Thank you so much for the people making this work. All of our patrons, especially on Eternal Witness tier: Colin Garassi, Alex Crow, Tim Everett, Testacular, Sebastian Holaga, Guillaume, Sean Dewey, Francis, runner up of london legacy quarterly cowper london cassandra davis oh that was it <laughs> cassandra davis dylan shoemaker reto shara tom tishka benedict gruber and severin schwarzuber and on our top grizzle brand here scott monroe tom hap kane ian seifert and colonoscopy thank you so much everybody thank you and everyone. see you again uh next week ish and yeah. everybody uh, happy holidays and see you soon see you everyone bye -bye.